Hey everybody, welcome to Reaction Shots for July 2019. We're a week late. Uh, Huber is out this month because uh, he is grieving with his family after the loss of his brother. I love Huber. Can I just say sad. that? I love Huber too. He's, He's amazing. Um, just a font of positivity and energy and, and we miss him dearly. He should be back soon. I, mean, I don't uh, know him personally, but I love what I know of him. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> right. But I delayed a week uh, because of that, and also because then we could have these fabulous guests. So uh, please, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, I'm Daniel James. I'm a film and, uh, film and video game composer. I've worked on Metal Gear Solid 5, some Call of Duties, uh, a Terminator movie, things like that. Um, and I'm, I'm here to be like the, the voice of the music yeah. creation world that's that's my role today yeah <laughs> so that's cool damn and of that course, is cool returning just me. favorite hmm. returning favorite <laughs> just me no matthew walden tell people i uh, we get grief in mysterious monsters that we don't explain who people are i saw that i read tell the us, comments who the, who the hell is this yourself. guy it's mysterious <laughs> tell us everything <laughs> well uh, i met ian on game trailers i yeah. used to work on there i used mm-hmm. to be a writer on jeff Keeley's show yeah. Uh, I went on to do a bunch of music television shows. I work. I'm a producer and writer on hip hop TV shows. Oh. So I've done a couple of those. There's a new one coming out on Netflix uh, in October. What's it called? Are you allowed to Maybe say? November, December, sometime this year. Uh, it's got Cardi B and Chance the Rapper in it. Oh. It's kind of fun. It's called Rhythm and Flow. Cool. So and then I write for video games occasionally too. That's a new development. So oh. pretty excited about that. I can't name those yet. But wow. Oh, you write for that's, the games, not about them. Like exactly, them. awesome. Yeah. So that's my that's kind of my deal. I have cool friends. Turns out <laughs> I didn't even know half of that. <laughs> um, okay, and I'm Ian. I just you know do whatever I want. Uh, and uh, yeah, so before we get into the topic, and we're gonna get into it as quickly as we can because I think it's gonna be a meaty one. <clears throat> uh, real quick though, have uh, we like to start off with. What have you liked lately? Have you seen or listened to or read or watched anything lately that you liked? Man, I, I've been watching. I mean, did you watch the last season of Game of Thrones? I assume you did. Does I that did. Ca- does yeah. that still count as lately? Sure. Music. How did you feel about music in it? Uh, I I was distracted by other things. <laughs> by other aspects. Of it. <laughs> so I didn't notice it as much. Man, new. If I'm I, honest, I haven't seen much new. What was the, end, Endgame was the last thing I saw in the movies. I, I mean, what do you think of the music in big that? Big superhero music. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. How did da 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 da? da. Did, did you ever see this video? It was there was a video that went around um, YouTube, and it was someone saying, "Oh, the Avengers music's crap because mm. you can't remember the music." And right. you'd go around and be like, "Sing Star Wars," you know. People right, say Star yeah. Wars. Nowadays, I bet if you did that, people could go. Da, Maybe da, the Avengers da, theme. Bam. Just the theme. Yeah, 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 I yeah. can't remember a single track from the movie, but I, but I know that changed, melody. If you did two different notes after what you just sang, it would be Harry Potter. Really? Da na 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 na. After what you just sang, mm-hmm. Harry Potter. So yeah, I don't know. Endgame. That was a good movie. Was I, like, the, yeah. the thing I was never really into superhero movies for some reason. Just they, they didn't they didn't click with me. My wife made me watch Infinity War, and and I was like, oh That's shit, a there's, a, there's a whole lot going on yeah. here. And it was it was like that that uh, morbid curiosity, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I need to know that story, so I go back and watch that. Movie. And I feel like that's actually a fun way to watch them. So I watched Infinity War, and I knew that it all went to. Can you swear on this? It all went to oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. sorry, I'm bad, terrible language. But it all <laughs> went to shit. Yeah, you know. shame on you. Clean it up. <sighs> Clean so it sorry. up. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. But but like children, you, you, see all, you. <laughs> you see all these stories going wrong, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm interested. And it, it's actually interesting. I mean, like this is a music show. It's interesting to see like how some of the little themes and motifs from those movies. Yeah. Like uh, like Black Panther was the one that stood out the most. Oh, you know, absolutely. The, you know, like the rhythm. I can't yeah. do the rhythm like off the top of my yeah, head, yeah. and like the the pumping trombones yeah. and stuff. 
Yeah. Like when when they come through the oh wait, I, but spoilers, you know, like the end of Endgame. Yeah. When when things happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you hear, uh, there's got to be a statute of limitations on spoilers for Endgame, right? <sighs> But I mean, whenever you see Black Panther in like one yeah. of those Avengers movies, you get that little motif. That and boom, well, yeah. in Infinity War, when he says, uh, "I know someone who can help," and then the and then Black the Panther drums come in, everyone no. in my theater was like, "Yeah!" Before they even cut to Wakanda. No, yeah, power Powerful. of music, baby. But yeah, I, and, and sorry, just to go back. So Endgame actually made me go back and watch a load of the other ones. So like, I'm I'm on I'm on like this big heroic orchestral oh, sound. Funny. That's in my head at the minute. You know, yeah. The big, yeah. yeah, I mean, there are five other good ones, probably. Mm-hmm. Three other really good ones and two other okay ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I've been watching. What about you? See anything uh, you like? Yeah, them? yeah. I've been watching Criterion Collection has this giant. you have. Yeah, they have this gigantic <laughs> uh, box set of all the Ingmar Bergman movies ah. ever made. I've been watching like 15 of those. My God. And it's been a spiritual experience. I bet. I have loved them. They're <laughs> so incredible. And he has a reputation for being like really dark really, yeah. and serious. And he gives you a lot of that, which yeah. I enjoy. But they're really funny and interesting and experimental. And I've never been happier watching movies than in the past couple of weeks. Watching, I watch like two or three Ingmar Bergman movies a day. Wow! And uh, I'm a better person for it. I think that I love that guy. Stamina. Yeah. <laughs> we had him on for just because I thought that your like proclivities and personality would be would be a good fit for. It. We did an episode called "Movies That Wrecked Us," like really <laughs> right. really emotionally disturbing movies. Right. And he like went through and like watched all of the ones. Wow. Oh, it's been a month just yeah. disturbing myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dude. Just came out the other side of changed man. Yeah, just, you're just uh, like, uh, it's like I mean, that's what I shot. want from a movie. I want to be different. I mean, from one movie though, not, <laughs> not twenty in a row. <laughs> not a you, gotta, you gotta watch like <laughs> Into the Spider Verse after each one to like palate cleanse. I have no sense of moderation in my life when it comes to anything. <laughs> this that'd, be like, that'd be like watching all the Transformers action sequences back to oh, back God. just continuously. Visual you know what I mean? Noise. Well, that's what I'm saying for the emotion. Yeah. For the emotion. That'd be that's horrible. That's a <laughs> wild metaphor for Ingmar Bergman emotional state, <laughs> but I kind of love it. Uh, okay. How about I, you? Uh, what have you been watching? I yeah, I um, I just watched Midsommar. My girlfriend's Norwegian, oh, so I have to like, try okay. to say it right. I thought it was okay. Oh, okay. I liked it, but I thought, you know, it's not his, I mean, we can do a longer discussion about it, but Hereditary in this, I know he's doing it on purpose, but his use of foreshadowing is so intense that it basically makes his movies super predictable for me, which I find interesting. It's kind of a weird experience. I like more of like an upstream color kind of like, you know, if you get the metaphor, you understand the movie. But if you missed it, you're like, okay, what's happening? I like that. Whereas Midsummer is like, here's exactly what's going to happen if you're paying attention to the stuff in the shot. And then it all just happens. Especially and, in a scary movie, you need more of a sense of a yeah, mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Hereditary, when the thing that happens, have you seen Hereditary? I have seen Hereditary, yeah. When the, when the big shocking thing that happens happens, I kind of laughed because they foreshadowed it so hard. I knew something like that was going to happen. So when it happened, I laughed and it made me sound like a monster person. <laughs> but I was just laughing because I was like, oh, okay, yep, they told you that was going to happen four times. 
It was whatever. You know what? That's my favorite experience in a movie is when just one person finds something funny. <laughs> yeah. My wife is usually that person, uh-huh. and she'll laugh in a movie theater by herself, and the whole audience will hear her laughing, and they'll start laughing just because they think it's funny that <laughs> she found something some funny. Yeah. It's very right. contagious. I, I love that. When yeah. I saw, I have that experience with Haneke films, Michael Haneke. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, Funny Games is straight up a comedy, uh, and the joke is on the audience, you know. But, like, I was in the theater, and I was like, oh, man, you know, this is pretty funny. And everyone else was, like, so depressed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm a crazy person. <laughs> uh, anyways, enough of that. Enough of that. I feel like I did see something else that I really liked. This pin makes me think of Russian Doll, even though it's not. Oh, yeah, that's Kate Bush. My oh. pal made me a Kate Bush. Yeah. Pr- it was his birthday, and he gave me a Kate Bush pin on his birthday. He's a sweet dude. My, my friend, Gabe. Oh. He's a nice guy. <laughs> Hello, Gabe. Hey Gabe! Hey. Shout out to Gabe. Anyway, this this <laughs> month we're talking about film scores. Film scores, not the Rotten Tomatoes score or A B C D, but the music, the soundtrack, which technically is a different thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sc- score and soundtrack get confused yeah. all the time. Soundtracks usually. Elucidators. Yeah. Well, so- when, when it says soundtrack, it, it does overlap. Sometimes you'll get original soundtrack as well and it'll have score on it but scores generally like original score is when a composer comes in and they write like music you know orchestral synth whatever it is uh soundtrack is when you get like uh licensed music and pop songs or songs written for the movie you know like (laughs) things that aren't orchestral pieces things that aren't contextual pieces that need to be in the movie so we specifically we actually have for for the viewers here but we'll talk through it for the listeners uh daniel brought a visual aid here of what would be called a score yeah so that's that's a conductor's score from a piece of music it was actually a a, a stage plate oh yeah (laughs) it's a stage player i wrote so it should go Uh, it goes like uh that far but yeah anyway let's extend it that far it's a big old thing. I, this feels like <laughs> old old Flip TV. Flip through it. Flip through it. So this is this is just a pe- this is like a, this is like the the old way of doing piracy. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're like <laughs> zoom in, and zoom, zoom in, zoom in, steal. All this music. <laughs> well, there's one. This page is like empty. But yeah. So basically, this is uh, what the conductor. So the a conductor's the guy at the front. You know, with the yeah, stick. waving the baton. So I write all this music, and this was for a stage play I wrote with uh, Klaus Badolt, who was the guy who did the music on Pirates of the Caribbean. But anyway, so you write all this music. And then someone uh, called an orchestrator puts it into a, pe- a, a piece of software that makes it sheet music, which looks like this. This is what real musicians can read. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't call composers musicians. Like, a lot of them are. Like, they can play instruments. Sure. But we write the music for real musicians to play. You know what I mean? Most musicians... You're freaking me out right now, because I get down on myself for not, like, writing Man. anything down on sheet music. Uh, my notes, if I write down anything for songs I make, are, like, C-sharp. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's like it. Well, well, you see that's the thing so like there's there's notes on these you know like uh, dynamic markings so things like get louder you know like right on here that's written as mp and then there'll be a bracket that goes up to f which means fortissimo which means Crescendo. very very well well done but anyway so uh they they put it in they print this out and then they give it to the you know they give individual pieces so like you can see here there's like trumpet this one line here the whole way through is just the trumpet I used to play trumpet. So, for example, just the trumpet. And so the trumpet player will only have those parts in front of him, and it will be like one sheet of paper. They don't have the entire thing. Right. But the conductor needs to make sure that every single person is on their mark. You know, every every single person is doing it right. And so they need everything. So they need to print this massive piece of music that they can extend. 
and then play. And then usually they break it up in recording, like there's red marks here. So oh, you, you would okay. never record it in one go because there's too many notes to fuck up. Yeah. But like eventually you get, you know, you get through it. But yeah, this is sheet music. <laughs> so this is this is usually how it looks just before it's been recorded. And that's what they record to, yeah. Yeah. I used to play bells in a church <laughs> choir right. as a little kid, and we'd have these. Of course. And it do. was cool and you'd pick them up with like little gloves on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then My mom used if to I do if I got lost. Yeah, it was trouble. I'd be like, oh, oh yeah. shit, where oh, the yeah. hell are we? I guess I'll just ring one now. <laughs> like, it's pretty nerve-wracking. Bold. <laughs> but, and, and, I mean, like, this is the interesting thing, because, like, if you write music, this is actually an archaic, almost archaic way of looking at music now, because yeah. we use MIDI. I'm sure you've sure, used MIDI yeah, before, yeah. which looks more like a grid with dots in it, mm -hmm. uh, which I don't have a representation. Maybe if you're editing this, you can just put a picture of MIDI just nah. on the screen. Nah. <laughs> Imagine it. Imagine. It looks like a bunch of lines with some rectangles With on. some rectangles. And it's easier to read, I think, than this, because this puts a lot of, like, new people off like they think oh i'm never going to be able to read this i can but yeah. i mean like like i say i can read it but i can't sight read it like a like a i player. mean i took piano lessons for seven years as a kid they mm -hmm. fired me they uh, fired you they from fired your own me. lessons how do you get fired from, from, my from own piano lessons? lessons well because i have a problem with authority <laughs> and when people are telling me to practice i don't do it but if i get so, to do it on my own recognizance then i love it you know and i was in i played trumpet in high school so because of that i only and i'm a tenor so, like, I usually deal in the treble clef. Right. And so I always forget the bass clef. <laughs> I right. can't remember the notes in the bass clef. Do you, do you know this one? Huh? Do you know this clef? Oh, viola yeah. clef is a different oh, one. Oh, yeah, the viola clef. They get their clef. own clef. They get their own clef, clef. Yeah. Is it like an alto th There is a reason thing? for it, it like I forget. Is it in the middle or something? But, yeah, it's, it's basically because it's in the middle. But it's, uh, there, there, there is probably a better reason that, but my, my knowledge on these things Viola's is actually kind of freaky. Shit. Anyway, Sorry. I just thought that was really cool that you brought that. <laughs> but no, I brought this I as a gift for that says Xehanort. It has some Zia. It says Zillenhot. I think that's Zillenhot. a place. And that is the final level of Scientology, it's a place. actually. Oh, yeah. this, this was Wait, a Mongolian no. stage play. <laughs> I know that you know about all these weird things, so I, I take you at your words. But thank you for bringing that. Lots that's so awesome. Uh, but anyway... And we'll get into these treats in a minute. Oh, yeah. We got we all other show props. and tell. We got props for days. But uh, I asked the patrons uh, uh, on Easy Allies, patreon.com slash Easy Allies, that are in the $7 and up tiers. Uh, that's the film club. Uh, I asked them a bunch of questions. So we can use that as the structure for the episode. Yeah. Uh, the first one was pretty simple. <coughs> it was just, what's your favorite film score? Mm. Um, if you guys have one immediately locked and loaded, you can tell me. Otherwise, I, I can notes. read through. I'm good. What? I, I've got notes. I'm, okay, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm locked and loaded. Uh, I got a favorite one. Yeah. Well, tell you me can, then. We'll start, we go can first. start with you guys. I'm good because I'm not going to forget mine. You go first. Absolutely. All right. Well, mine just happens to be on top. Oh. Um, I wish I could pronounce this. This is the Goblin score for an Italian movie called Deep Red is the uh, American Rosso. English title. Profondo um, Rosso. Goblin did the score for Suspiria. Yeah, they they worked with uh, Dario Argento. They worked with George Romero on Dawn of the Dead. Um, I didn't know that. But this is is my favorite of their scores. Um, it's very kind of like bass heavy. It's like Primus on Quaaludes. I don't like Primus, but <laughs> slow them down and it turns out I sure. do enjoy them. Um, there's a lot of synthesizers in there's there. There's a word for that, isn't it? Where you just take music and slow it way down. They did, um, Jarmusch did that to the starting, the opening number, uh, Funnel of Love on uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. It's like a 45 album played at 35 and it sounds okay. really cool. It's a great movie. I'd yeah, love yeah, it's a great movie. Anyway, uh, David Lynch does that shit too a lot yeah. with oh, his yeah, composition. Yeah. So this is super bass heavy. Yeah, it is. And then How you, it on vinyl. One of the cool. It's great. I does love it on vinyl. Not have a good low end. I like. You normally have to be really. 
careful with vinyl and low end. Like, have, you, have you tried listening to a digital version too? Yeah, I actually uh, listened to it digitally comparison? first. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I, I'm not super great when it comes to the technical end of sound. Uh, yeah. And vinyl you didn't to notice, me it tends to yeah. sound a little bit warmer. And the bass, at least on my stereo setup, is a little bit yeah. heavier yeah, on yeah. vinyl. So that's what it sounds like to me. Nice. One thing that's crazy about the Deep Red score, though, is I listened to it before I watched the movie. And I fell in love with the soundtrack before I watched the movie. Someone else talked about that. Yeah. Uh, too. And I started writing a novel while I was listening to this soundtrack. And in the novel, it just came to me this image of like a salamander on fire. And I was like, I guess I'm going to write that in the book. This is what this song feels like. I ended up seeing <laughs> the movie later. In the movie. I ended up seeing the movie like five years later. There's <laughs> salamander graffiti on this wall. And then it, the whole house burns down. And I was like, how did the music transmit that image to my brain? Wow. It, it's probably a coincidence. But what a cool coincidence. That's a very specific coincidence. But like, I was gonna say, can you imagine a music <laughs> evoking that concrete that's of an specific image? specific of an image. Goblin could do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You haven't seen this period. You love it. We could try to simulate the soundtrack to Suspiria. It's like bells going like bling, 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 bling. And then, and then just like <laughs> someone just going. There's a lot like, of witchy gasping. Yeah, and then yeah. eventually like someone just like screaming. It's awesome. That makes I would compare it to so the Castlevania good. soundtracks for the video game players. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they sound very Castlevania-esque, <laughs> yeah, especially like you... they're around the Super Nintendo mm -hmm. era. A lot of yeah. those Japanese composers were influenced by Italian horror movies, so you'll hear a lot of them straight up ripping off themes from them. They do, yeah. uh, in Suspiria, there's a really cool kind of subjective use of the soundtrack. In the beginning, when the character uh, is walking out the doors of the airport, the music is really muted whenever the doors are shut and then gets super loud whenever the doors are open and it's yeah. like storming outside and then they get shut and it gets That's quiet. Awesome I love yeah. that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, did you have your favorite? My favorite. Film, film score, score of all time? My, my favorite one's a weird one. Um, it's yeah, Tony, Tony Scott? Yeah, Tony Scott's Man on Fire. Do you know okay. that one? Yeah, oh yeah. So the, mate, the only reason for that one, it was weird because... Uh, so the whole reason I'm a composer is because of Metal Gear Solid 2. Like I saw the trailer when I was a kid and it was big and epic and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do that. So I became like the biggest <laughs> Harry. Through. But I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to be a tornado chaser. Well, the, but the funny thing is I, I, twister. When, I, when I started, I wanted to be, uh, I just wanted to work on Metal Gear. I actually started off trying to make games, but then I realized I'm shit at math. So I was like, oh, I'll just Same try core. music instead. And then uh, music is math. I mean, well, it's a, there are some like similarities. It's yeah. as much math as like I could throw this can in that bin, and there's a lot of physics behind it, but sure, I don't understand sure. the physics. It's like feelings, man. Yeah, you. I I understand how to get it to work. But anyway, so I was on this huge Harry Gregson Williams trip, and uh, at the time I couldn't write any music, and I li I saw Man on Fire, you know, and again I'm 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 on this HGW train, and and it's all it's mostly like synthesizers and sound design and just weird sounds that I'd never heard before, mixed with like a little bit of orchestra and I was like oh shit you could do that because when you write music these days you need to spend a lot of money on things called sample libraries which is like fake orchestra right and this film didn't have that much of it in and I'm like oh but I've got a DAW and I've got a microphone I could make yeah. I can make most of those sounds so I actually learned how to recreate like those weird cool sound designs and synth based things and that's like, that term now is called like hybrid music that's mm. like hybrid elements uh, so, so like that was uh, I started trying to imitate that kind of vibe and then uh people started hiring me to do it for their scores because oh, I got funny. good at doing it. And that's actually how I ended up like getting into the industry because I learned to do these kind of Harry Gregson Williams-esque uh, like synthesizers and 
sound That's very cool. Stuff. And and I yeah, just noticed that your jacket is Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs. Yeah, yeah. I just noticed that. It's my Metal Gear. I'm 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 a big Metal Gear fan. Yeah. Like like absurdly so. But yeah. But that that soundtrack made me a, a musical sound designer. And musical sound design was the whole reason I got to work on uh, Mass Effect Three, which was my first thing ah. because of the sound design thing. Oh sure. It just yeah. timed up really well with like I was getting good at doing the sound design thing, and then Mass Effect, which is really synthy and like they they yeah. they needed some extra Spacey. stuff and. You know, but yeah, that that was the main reason. I think I wrote another one down actually as well. well Gladiator, big melodies. Oh, yeah. That's all I wrote. <laughs> yeah, big melodies. Uh, Alexander Zirinov, Zirinov says, "I rarely feel emotional while watching movies, but lighting the beacons from Lord of the Rings: Return of the King mm. makes me cry. Emotion, exceptional score, probably their favorite. Lady of the Lilies, which may or may not be my sister. Uh, <laughs> favorite score, Jurassic Park." Nice. Also love the score for Castaway because when our hero is on the island, there is not music. It is only when leaving the island that the music returns. This has such a powerful impact on the different stages of the movie and helps me as a viewer understand the character's feelings when leaving the island. Yeah, I love stuff like that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Uh-uh. I didn't, know, I didn't well, realize that. I, there's a really good point in there about score in that I find it's more impactful when it's saved for a few places. A lot of times I when I work in TV shows... I'll, my bosses will want like wall to wall music yeah. over everything, not even yep. a moment of silence. And then it becomes like a little draining for the viewer, and the music starts to lose its impact. But if you have like a director with some restraint, kind of yeah. using it at special moments rather than across the board, really heightens its impact. I, I, I talk about it like um, like a muscle. Like if you go for a sprint immediately after that sprint you're going to want to slow down and cool down that's like how music needs to be you know what i mean like if you just keep sprinting you're going to run out of energy you just you know what i mean you'll get tired you'll get bored it's all monotonous but if you sprint slow down calm and then build back up to another sprint the sprints feel more organic you know what i mean if you go from a standing sock to, and if you kept sprinting the whole way for like your run you're going to be knackered by the I think time that home. takes confidence probably as a creator to, to not overload the audience and trust that what yeah. you're doing is interesting enough. Do you find that when you're writing compositions themselves that uh, as you've done it longer, you don't have to go overboard as much? Or? Yeah, I, I, I think I think the key is, is figuring out that you're just there primarily f- for most of the music to give either context or perspective. So it's like there's two people on screen. Context is playing like a dark note to know that it's dangerous, you know, like, mm-hmm. or playing like a love thing to let them know. And, with, and it, you know, you, you can do that without changing the scene and you can, you know, play anything. I forget what the other thing was, but, <laughs> but you could like, you could do stuff like that. Really simple. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, that restraint is really interesting. And like an example of, uh, I mean, later we have a question about like songs trying to tell you how to feel, you know, yeah. which, is such a tough thing to do, but yeah, like some of the most profound moments in film uh, is when yeah the the soundtrack just cuts out like that. Like uh, Gravity I mean, did that a lot. Gravity did that a lot. Uh, that shot in the Last Jedi where the ship goes through the other ships and it just yeah, just that was a cool silent. choice. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mikey Novak says my my three non-standard picks for favorite soundtrack is Master and Commander for heavy period correct influence <coughs> that caused me to fall in love with chamber music. Treasure Planet for its genius blend of 70-30 Victorian and modern music that helped to wonderfully sell the tone of being in the past and the future at once. (laughs) And lastly, October Sky, my favorite blend of licensed period-correct music and haunting original compositions, and The Red Violin for favorite movie about music itself through the life of Red Violin. Have you guys seen that movie? I haven't, no. Have you seen Red Violin? 
I didn't. I'm not a fan, but I love their enthusiasm. You did? Oh, I did. I did. Oh, I'm okay. not, and I didn't like it, but I, I like that they it. like it. I remember yeah, liking yeah. it at the time, but I mean, I haven't seen it since I was like. I think nine. I worked at a movie theater while it was playing there. That's why I don't like Juno. Oh right? yeah. Because like we had man, 2000. What Juno the is why I don't like Juno. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> it, it does enough work on its own. But uh, what year was that? 2007. Yeah, I was working at the Landmark in Chicago, and we had. There Will Be Blood, No Country for Old Men, and Juno all at the same time for, like, months. And they sold out, like, every showing. It was crazy. That's two out of three amazing movies. I know, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Did did you both work at a cinema? Uh, Probably at different points. Yeah. Yeah. Not together. I I did, too. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I did throughout high school and then uh, throughout parts of college and then after college. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, yeah, mine was straight out after college yeah while I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do with life right. you know what I mean like same yeah. I'm still oh, doing that it, yeah. <laughs> My, there was, what are you talking about <laughs> you're working on shows you're making books you're doing you're, you're, yeah but you always feel the same that's why life, life feels the same that's yeah. true you're playing Kingdom of always. Heaven when I was there Kingdom of oh, what I remember that 2004 yeah. that sounds <laughs> about right Harry Gregson Williams film again ah yeah, like that was that was one thing I always used to do is that, um, sorry, Odeon, if you're watching, th- why they would, but I used to uh, like, so if you're on floor duty, you know, you'd sweep up the popcorn and stuff after. Uh, and you know, there's like those stages in between showings where there's nothing going on. Yeah. I just go sit in a movie, you know, like yeah. I just go sit down and just listen to the, you know, because they have this little like special chair for the people that clean up to like oh, wait after. That's nice. So like I would always just go sit, but it's like one of the ones where the screen's up like that, you know, oh, <laughs> right yeah. above you. But we I didn't just, get chairs. We just sat on the floor just sat on the floor but yeah big have, speakers playing harry gregson williams i'm, I'm in I'm all in <laughs> i have a horrible confession of something bad i did when i was working at a movie theater this is Please. a long time ago so i cannot be prosecuted for it oh, but we round up round up all my friends who worked at the theater with me and during we'd count the till the most serious part of whatever movie was playing <laughs> when some big plot revelation was about to happen oh, and then we'd all like open the door and count to three and yell boner really loud <laughs> we call them boner calls and then run away Bonicles. having ruined the movie maybe like once a shift until this is the most amazing part I, you know I graduated from college moved out to LA I went back to visit that theater years later I didn't recognize anybody who worked there but I had a boner call happen to me <laughs> seeing a movie there so I'm so proud my uh, boner call people. legacy lived on oh my god <laughs> very immature <laughs> but I, I dare you to try it and not have the thrill of your life oh yeah it's so It'd fun be very exciting <laughs> and boner Confidence. just dumb and offensive enough <laughs> yeah without being like actually yeah uh it's sex this. positive there's nothing wrong do, yeah yeah <laughs> do, do it in the older films don't run into like boners. a kid's film like no no kids <laughs> oh, film. Yeah, no absolutely kids. this was an uh, art house movie <laughs> running yeah, into yeah, a yeah, disney yeah, yeah. film <laughs> yeah the... <laughs> the, the theater i worked at never played any kids movies unless right. it was like from another country we used to have kids days oh lord yeah it was like well kids mornings sorry like so it, everyone would come in with an excuse because kids don't watch movies so it'd just be a screen full of kids Screaming and throwing <laughs> Throw popcorn, and it. and then you'd have to go and sweep it all up, sweep it uh, under the chair. I liked this comment. <laughs> Sel Sel How do you Celsic. say that? That's a good guess. Sel says Neil Young, dead man. <laughs> Enough said. Other than if you haven't seen it, please make the time. Yeah, love a good dead man call out. So the Jim Jarmusch movie also? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's one of his only ones I haven't seen. That people tell me I would like cool. it. Yeah, you yeah. would like it. Some people don't like it. Jim Jarmusch is definitely hit or miss for me. But when yeah. he hits, I like him. I didn't see The Dead Don't Die. I wanted to. 
Yeah, Iggy Pop as a zombie. I got it. I still want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, Sonic Constant said two scores I would throw up as my favorite are probably Blade Runner twenty forty nine and Thor Ragnarok. Those may not be two of the best scores ever. And then in parentheses, Blade Runner absolutely is. Fight me. But these are two scores that left a huge impression on me. Maybe I have a type. Now they're talking about the new Blade Runner, not the original Blade yeah. Runner, because the Vangelis soundtrack for the original Blade Runner definitely stands out. Oh for yeah. Me. What, it, what are you guys like, iconic? So, like, like this is like a, a horrible confession. I never saw the first Blade Runner. Like I would always get like ten minutes in and fall asleep. It's it's yeah. a slow burn. Like it, it it's starts. It's definitely like, a slow movie. And I, it was when I was a kid, so I didn't have the attention. But uh, have you both seen both? Yeah. How do, how do you feel the score compares? Because I've heard the scores, and but I don't have the visual context for the first I remember one. really liking the score while I watched 2049. I can't mm. remember it right now. Right. It's kind of contemporary yeah. synth right? Yeah. Like Stranger things Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's in that vibe. Survive, yeah. yeah. Um, I like the second I Blade like, Runner better. I like That's 2049 more claim, than... No, yeah. I like 2049 better did, than Blade Runner. Did more. it sound like Blade Runner or someone trying to do the Blade Runner sound? What I liked about 2049 is that it didn't... Like, I was worried yeah, that yeah. they were just going to ape Vangelis before... Right. I went into it and like they didn't like it, it felt like an uh you know yeah an update to that yeah. vibe without just stealing it that, which that, I like that's always a fear when you change composers you know yeah. what I mean particularly if it's like like Blade Runner became the <laughs> cyberpunk right, like sound right, you know right. and then th- when you've got a different composer I bet that was a tough one I just I just <laughs> got a new synth uh, yes, you did. Oh, yes, you did. My name God, it. Did What's I the ever? name of the yes, new synth? I bought a Moog one. No, I mean like personal name, proper oh, name. Did you name yeah, it I've never like done Jeffrey? I've never or? done that. No. <laughs> I've never been one to name. Things. So you, it's a Moog though. I yeah. named string yeah, instruments. Well, I'm so glad not you synths. What? I named string instruments, not oh, synths. Funny. So I have a cello that's called uh, Ballista. Because ah. I, I bought it for a film called Ballistic, but uh, ah. string instruments have names. X versus they, Sever. They feel like organic. You know what I mean? I feel like a piano should have a name, or a, a you know maybe a wooden guitar. But I feel like since I don't know, there's something about like, would you yeah. give your computer a name? Like no, that's what I feel. Here's it falls thing. into that category, even though it's a musical instrument, and I I'm not saying it's not. I'm just, <laughs> I'm it just, is. No, it's 100% a musical <laughs> instrument. Don't take me wrong. It's the best synth on the planet Earth. But does it get a name? Oh. Uh-oh. Pull it out. What? Oh, I'm dared to pull this out. Uh, <laughs> well, we're talking about Moog synthesizers. Yeah. And I feel like what better opportunity to talk about Wendy Carlos, one yeah. of the best film composers ever in film history. She oversaw the development of the Moog synthesizer. Really? So she was responsible for a gigantic portion of the music in the second half of the 20th and did century. did Clockwork Orange. Yeah, did Clockwork Orange. She did The Shining. Um, she did all these covers of... I think Bach and like yeah. classical music, but Beethoven? did them with synthesizers. Beethoven's in this one, I think. Yeah, yeah, Beethoven's in this one. She has like switched on Bach. Oh. It's kind of like how she oh, started. I, I a lot of like cover yeah, albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. And then uh, just she makes Clockwork Orange. Like that's yeah. almost oh, the point yeah. of the movie to yeah. me is the soundtrack it's, that she does. Yeah. That's um, most movies though. I mean like, She's a that says point. the composer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no, no I mean, the, the point You're not of wrong. The You're point of wrong. a good score is is to make. You know right. what I mean? It's it's to transcend being music. It's to become part of the greater whole. Like I'm sure you've seen the videos of like the Star Wars we- uh, wedding scene or whatever the ending scene. You yeah. know, when they're just walking through the crowd of people to get their medals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Someone's just done it with taking the music out. And oh like, yeah, and, and it's, it's just like, the sound. <clears throat> it's the most awkward thing people ever. Like coughing and stuff. But you know, like a good score makes a film. You know, it can make a bad film. What, what's, what's the phrase? Like a good score can make a bad film 
good or tolerable, right, yeah. but a bad score can ruin a good film. Yeah. You know, so oh, it, absolutely. Score, yeah, it's tricky. Sorry, I'm a composer. It's the only thing I know anything about. So, when I so like, to, it's in my world, you know? Yeah, when I come to movies, I am way more interested in mood and atmosphere yeah. Yeah. than almost anything else. Like, yeah. a movie could have a terrible plot, but if it feels good mm-hmm. and I enjoy the mm-hmm. vibe, which music is easily half, yeah. if not yeah. more. Yeah, Huge pressure. I've experienced yeah. movies very much do on a music watch, level. Do you watch the show Legion? No, I've never seen it, but I've had friends tell me I would like it. It's real good. It's I love it. It's uh, it's a mute. It, it's Marvel adjacent, mm-hmm. owned by FX. So I guess it was yeah. They they were allowed to say mutant, whatever. X Men adjacent, whatever, but it doesn't really matter. Set in the seventies, by and large, and uh, is about the character Legion, who has multiple personality disorder, and every pa- every dis- every personality has a power. Oh, Basically, yeah. that's the easy way of explaining it but the show is basically just a tone poem uh and each season has like kind of different vibes all right and uh, like season one the and season two sometimes like three episodes will go by and no plot will happen at all yeah but like it's all just about the mood and music is a huge part of that and they also do a thing where like dan stevens is the main guy he plays legion you know uh what's his name from downton abbey matthew william whatever (laughs) Um, Both good English names. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very English name. But uh, they even have him like sing some like covers of like cool song. Oh man, the show yeah. is so good. Anyway, oh yeah, the reason I brought up my extravagant synth purchase is because oh, it yeah. came with like four different settings that were like, hey, you want to do Blade Runner? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just there's like, a Blade Runner Wah! setting. Yeah, yeah. They don't call it that, but they call it like. I think one's called, like, I Am a Golden God or whatever, but it sounds like you're in the Tyrell Corporation, and you, if you do the pitch bend or the mod wheel, it, like, sounds like Vangelis just going, yeah. like... Man, that, like, it, when you write music, I said this earlier, but, like, uh, you buy things called sample libraries and stuff, there's entire libraries dedicated oh, I bet. to just the Blade Runner sound. I bet. Just that sound. That, yeah, uh, very rarely does that happen. You get, like, a movie set, you know? I'm going to go real quick through the rest of the favorites of people. Sorry, go ahead. Because we're gonna i'm having a blast but i want to make sure we get some of these in. <laughs> uh morgan mahala wanted to shout out requiem for a dream good bad and the ugly dunkirk and everything by john williams <laughs> darren Mif- mifsid uh favorite score is easily conan the barbarian by basil polidorus high fantasy comes alive shout out to howard shore hans zimmer and obviously john motherfucking williams <laughs> tokyo slim uh favorite film scores elmer bernstein the magnificent seven uh, that theme just encapsulates adventure better than, or nothing capture, encapsulates adventure better than that. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm shortening as we go. Katie Garza, Harry Potter franchise shout out. Um, yeah. Sorry. And then I said <laughs> I couldn't contain yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, Harry Potter. I, uh, <laughs> that one came up like a bug. It's a fucking genuine love. Sorry. <laughs> And then next I asked, like, a trap question. I said, what do the best scores have in common? Mm. Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts on that before we hear what... I pulled three for this. So so I I, I wrote two things down. So firstly, a hook. Yeah. So so any good score is one that you remember. Usually, usually. I mean, there are scores where textually you get through it. But even then, it has a hook, whether it be a textual hook. And a textual hook is... uh, When I say a hook, I mean, like, a thing that you catch on and you hear it and you go, oh, that's from blah, blah, blah. So a good good example of, like, a textual hook from, like, The Dark Knight would be the Joker thing. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just a, you know, whatever it is. I Uh, have a question about hooks. Sure. 
are because I work on music shows all the time, and a lot of times they're like young hip hop musicians who are just starting out, mm-hmm. and they don't know how to make hooks. And because I'm not someone who writes music myself, I know a hook when I hear yeah. it. I know that's not a good hook, or that's right. a good hook. Are hooks hard to do? Because it seems like a lot of pop musicians who may not necessarily be good on the radio right. are actually good at writing the hook part. When you're trying to create a hook, what makes it a hook? Is it, it just that it's, it's catchy? Or? The, yeah, so there's there's lots of lots of different ways you can go. But I actually did one like, uh, and it's like a live stream. I always mess about with my chat with this one. But like uh, on metal, I did the, the the main theme for Metal Gear Online, and so one of the hooks I tried to do is I had the percussion saying like Metal Gear Online over and over again, like da 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 da. You know, Metal Gear Online. Metal Gear and Online, so, like, yeah. I was subconsciously putting like this hook. And if you listen to the melody uh, and you listen to the whole track, it's just made up from like a wall of da 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 da. So the, the main melody is da 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 da. And even though, even though, like, you don't, you may not know that because there's that consistency, particularly within the rhythm, and the repetition. So da 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 da. Like that first bit's the exact same, but because of the familiarity, you you remember it. And because it has a change, it's saying da 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 da. You know, it's right. got it's saying something different. So you remember it almost like how you would remember a sentence. You know, like so you remember it like a conversation. Like it goes into that part of your brain, right. and it locks down because you remember it as a phrase. So like the 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 making it say Metal Gear Online thing may not have made them remember it any better, but it definitely like when you say the name Metal Gear Online, if you happen to say it around the time the rhythm's playing, you're like, oh this is the thing for Metal Gear Online. Oh like the rhythm sounds a bit <laughs> but like you subconsciously bring these things in, you know? And there's there's other ways of doing hooks. That's yeah. brilliant advice. I hope That's anyone really who's right. listening to this who wants to make music yeah, that, anyway, yeah, 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 listens to yeah, that. Yeah, you can just change the way you think about it. A hook can be anything. You could just literally sit there and just try and come up with one. But you like the 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 most fun way when you're writing music is to try and tie it intrinsically to what you're doing in a secret yeah. way that when you come on talk shows <laughs> like right. you, can, kind of you can talk about <laughs> because like, no, Here's a fun no one ever notices them but like they're there for a re- like they serve a purpose and it's all it's all like subliminal messaging you know what i mean like yeah. th- there's a there's a thing in in when you write music called motifs where you write like very small little phrases that um like uh, gladiator da, 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 da. that's like yeah. a motif and they play that like deep down in the bass like and it sounds evil but it means that ca- you know it means the family theme and then they play it again and so whenever you know maximus is having his moment and it's like about the family you bring yeah. in you bring in that motif and that's a hook because like it's and the I'm, bad guys like i've, I've seen some stuff like well, you know Darth Vader. Tracks, yeah where they invert the the hero theme they like invert the chord structures so although it's like backwards like, thing, things like that you should be careful with because like some of the nerds will get like too into it yeah. like so if let's say you have a mysterious evil bad guy and you flip the main character's main theme you, someone's gonna look at it and go it's a flip it's he's, he's related guy. he's related somehow yeah. like so you can't give away the ghost <laughs> yeah. so like if yeah a lot of, a lot of the job of a composer is trying to figure out how much information to let on at any given moment because like like you say if you played that joker string line like the intent of it i think hans said in an interview himself is like if you play that string line even if the joker's not in the scene you know he's he's coming he's there he's around influence and that's a hook like that's you know what i mean and that's one of the things like you can hear the dark knight soundtrack hear just that sound yeah and you know what it's from and that's a hook it's just it doesn't have to be a melody or it just has to be something that you can remember yeah i'm glad you said that because uh you were talking about cardi b earlier and like (laughs) i remember a quote that people said about her is like she hit number one on the charts without a melodic hook. 
Right. And like everyone was like pounding on that, and it was like such she knows a cool how to choose thing. beats very well. But yeah, well, but though. like yeah. she has like lyrical hooks and beat hooks all over that song. Right. It was mm-hmm. a big big rhythmical hook recently. Right. The the, the, the what is it? The Scotch now the da 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 da. Oh yeah, that's triplets. That's called a. I I actually watched a video on it the other day. That's called a Scotch snap. It's like from like Scotch music. Da 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 da. Oh funny. You know, like when they do like the folksy sing at the beginning of a phrase, they go da da, and so that da da like it's like a triplet. It's like da 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 da, and then you put it over a da 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 da. You know, it's it's a very hip hop thing. Yeah. Clearly, me doing it doesn't sell it as well as it can be. About the the like hip hop. I think they called it the hip hop triplet or something. The Migos or somebody like popularized it. Yeah. Yeah, but that cool. that's a hook as well like I mean it's overused now but at the time that was a you know what I mean like you could hear that and be like oh that's from that particular thing it's so funny little like melodic and rhythmic stuff like that that be- suddenly becomes in vogue right like I mean in, in the more back to like more cinematic and video game soundtrack stuff like after after Inception it was just the oh my god yeah like, yeah yeah Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. And it was You'd hear like, it walking oh, down a movie theater coming from yeah. all the different like, oh, auditoriums, God. just like, like eight different all the trailers, trailers making the bass shake. The new, the new boing is Bing. cutting to bullets. Okay. For video games, it's like, yeah. And like superhero movies. Like everyone loves cutting to assault rifles. Down, down. Yeah, everybody loves that. And then yeah, now yeah, the the little pin drop. The, the pin drop is is that one's been around forever. I that that like. one's always been there, but like now it's now we're getting to the point where it's like okay, the piano's slightly different. Like right, right. <laughs> like that idea is done now. Like you could probably do it. Um, I mean that that's the thing though. That a lot of that a lot of those ideas uh, get saturated in like trailer music. Yeah, you know, so like you have a big movie moment and then that becomes like a trailer thing. Uh, trailers actually at the minute are doing the. Um, you know the the orchestral cover thing. Everybody oh yeah, the, the sad <laughs> yeah sad cover. <laughs> yeah, it's usually like an EA or a Ubisoft trailer will do that. Yeah, you know? yeah, games love that. The only one, the, the ones that do <laughs> yeah, it the yeah. best are like the um, Evil Within two and that kind of stuff. The one the one that got me that was like it, it's music that I would never listen to by choice, but like I was like that's cool. It was the Resident Evil Seven trailer? You know, go tell oh yeah yeah, yeah. go tell Aaron like that yeah. that one was weird, but like it was weird in a way that I was like that for that what I'm seeing is perfect. You yeah. can do some clever kind of counter programming if you catch somebody with something unexpected like that. Yeah oh yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, Tokyo Slim says that they Tokyo think Slim. the best <laughs> yeah good guy. Uh, yeah. Like they think the best scores help to define and shape the cinematic world. Mm-hmm. They're a type of emotion, emotional shorthand that is used to indicate what characters or you as the viewer are supposed to be feeling, yep. sometimes subtly or many times overtly. Uh, Helen Y. said that the good, the best uh, uh, scores have a recognizable theme that's woven throughout the entire soundtrack. That's like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. I'm always impressed with how many variations, variations of concerning hobbits there are in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. Michelle Jackson said something. This is kind of what I was trying to catch people with, because I agree and I disagree. I think the best film scores not only work within the context of the media it's paired with, but on its own. Good scores can be enjoyed at, a, at any time simply as good music. Uh of course, the real answer, the best best uh, soundtracks all just have horns in them. Of course. That's the real answer. I, 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 I disagree with that point, I, I disagree. Think. I, well, I agree and I disagree. Because it's like, I think a, a really great song from a movie that you can listen to on its own is awesome. Like, you can throw on some songs from, like, the Sherlock Holmes movies and they're really fun to listen to. And then the rest is not as fun to listen to. But I think, like, 
Sicario is the biggest example of this ever. Like a lot of times when I'm jazzed on a movie, I'll put the soundtrack on on the drive home, right? And like the soundtrack to Sicario in the movie felt like this like in your face like crazy yeah. ass like bombastic thing and then you listen to it by its- by itself and it's like almost ambient yeah and i was like oh wow like really without the context it's really still really awesome music but the meaning of it is completely different and i thought that was really interesting so, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think i'd i'd, I'd much rather sell what's going on on screen than than worry about like people listening to it later because yeah like, like i say it composing is is an interesting one because we're like outside the field you know we're outside of the industry but we're in it and i feel like i feel like you get a tendency to to value your music over the project sometimes mm. you know like you mm. i'm I, you know i'm the composer here i decide what the music does but i feel like I f- if you can if you can make the film the best film it can be even if the music doesn't work by itself people will still listen to it with like a love and affection again i keep going right. back to it because it's the best example i've got but like the dark knight joker thing i can hear that and like sometimes you're listening to it for like two minutes straight you know yeah <laughs> and i'm like but i understand i've got the movie i've got the context for it and that's usually what good music is like everybody always says what's you know like there's good and bad music objectively but there's music which i thought was absolutely shockingly terrible and then i see it in the movie and it's complete. It flips around. You know what I mean? It's like okay, now I understand why it sounds like that. Right. And now I now when I'm listening to this music, I have context for it. It's like uh, like the scene from Back to the Future. You know when he plays the guitar and they're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that. They don't <laughs> they don't have the context for it yet. And that that happens <laughs> right. with film score. Like you know, you need the context in order to understand. Yeah. yeah. Did you have something you wanted to say? You know I like a huge variety of film scores sometimes even film scores that aren't matched to movies i'd have any interest in seeing and to me like variation and instrumentation is a lot more important to me than Mm. one particular overlying theme like i listen to a lot of italian film scores there's this new like whatever like obnoxious hipster thing that i'm a part of where (laughs) you listen to italian film score library music from like the 60s a lot of times used for like dirty movies like softcore erotica <laughs> or for uh, like public broadcasting documentaries <laughs> specials like that but public broadcasting it's, porn. but it's some of the you most fascinating <laughs> music you'll ever hear in your life I recommend just like take a are you stroll. about to bring out a yeah, 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 PBS yeah. porno documentary exactly. right now oh, yes, here, we go. Yeah, yeah. here we go so the oh, Italian yes. library of sound oh, groups yes. there's like a collection <laughs> of different softcore pornography film composers uh-huh. um, and it's the most amazing music I've ever heard Erotic in my life. Erotic variations and bossa moves. There's a lot of strings. It's like kind of grew out of the spaghetti western thing and then developed into its own peculiar niche. They've got crazy synths and organs and like all kinds of experimental noises that sound like very avant-garde even right. today but Dang. it has amazing melodies too and I have no interest yeah. in watching most softcore yeah, yeah. Italian pornography. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I read it for the articles. It's is okay. what I'm it's saying. All right. It's all right. <laughs> but yeah, like what, what you're saying is it's more like uh, how you say something more than what you say. I say that a lot when I'm when I'm talking to particularly like newer composers. Like there is you have to put almost more stock in how you say something than what you say because like movies are, are subjective. So like you can say I love you. What what is it? There's a meme like if you write in a like a nice loving font, you will always be mine. You know, like a lo- love heart after it. It's a cute thing. If you write it in blood, it right. it means something <laughs> right. very, it means different. Something very but, different. But the same as if you whisper "I love you" to a woman, and if like you're screaming it like manically while you're chasing them with a knife, it means something different. <laughs> and so like music, music isn't. It, I'd say it's like almost sometimes like ten percent the notes you're playing and 90% how you're playing them. Mm. You know what I mean? Like particularly like when it comes to action or emotion, because a lot of emotion is 
You know, like just right. just, just feel it because you're feeling the space and what you're supposed to be feeling there is you're waiting for the next note. So you have a sense of longing. You're, like, you're waiting for that next note. So you're somewhat feeling what that character's feeling because your body's waiting for a release from the musical note. So you play like a chord that's got tension in it. And so the person is physically feeling the tension of that note and they're like, I want this to resolve. And you can tie that to the images so right. that the people are feeling exactly how this person's, you know, feeling in this moment by, you know, musically spreading it out or something like that. Yeah. So. I mean, that's part of why this show is called Reaction Shots. It's because, like, when I was in acting school back in the day. I didn't know you were in acting school. I, I, I got kicked cool. out of acting school, man. And it piano lessons. Yeah. Well, I, bet, I bet they regret their decisions now. <laughs> <laughs> Starting little rebellions ever. <laughs> Well, yeah, I started in the theater school at DePaul in college. It was a conservatory program. And when I was there, they took 50. And then after first year, cut it to 36. And after second year, cut it to 24. And I got cut the second year, uh, which was awesome because I was not really having a great time. And I they kept telling me I was too much of a filmic actor. And I was like, well, yeah, that's what Isn't I want to do. Isn't that what you want to do? Then they, what, did I, they like, want? Like, they, the theater? They, they or yeah, theater. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and so then I just immediately went to the film department and had a way better time. So yeah. I feel like I learned everything I needed. And then, yeah. But uh, one of the things that an acting teacher said was the moment before and after is the most important part of, like, moments and of scenes. And, like, a person saying something is important, but then how how the person hears it and how, like, you react after something incendiary happens or whatever is like the interesting part because like human face you know you're like looking for that meaning in it and it's sort of similar to what you're saying so you're just like, looking intently in my yeah, eyes doing yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> like yeah you could just do like bling, you know yeah. and like that could mean so much in the context of yeah anyway well i mean that's that's what a composer's job is we, we are context and perspective that's what we do our job is to give context to the to the scene and the perspective of which character we're seeing it through so like you have a motif like the best way to exact like you've got darth vader in in the scene with right. luke skywalker you can tell Heard whose perspective them. it is <laughs> yeah. based on which theme is playing so if it's playing like darth because it's interesting like if you play the darth vader theme but you play it in like a heroic way you're going to start feeling that like okay this is darth vader but he's become Coming here. You know what I mean? Even if nothing changes right. in the scene, it implies things, you know? thought I felt an earthquake. Uh, did He's they feeling. do that in the prequel trilogies? I'm trying to remember. If they, like, inverted the Imperial March to make it, like, major. I, I, I don't think they did. Uh, no. <laughs> Not a lot of, yeah. You're going to get a lot of comments about that. You uh, probably yeah, did. Let I, me know. <laughs> I watched uh, this when I was a kid, and I don't think I watched them since. The, the oh, prequel really? series, yeah. I watched them when I was... Uh, you know, after it was, I was too old to appreciate them. <laughs> well, I, mean, I saw them all in theaters. We we didn't see Star like I didn't see Star Wars till I actually came out to LA. So this was like oh, five really? years ago because I never saw the the first three. My parents didn't watch them, and they, I was before my time. Saw the the three prequel ones as a kid. Weren't for me, but you know, yeah. I, not the best they intro from what I hear people. to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I, I came to them eventually. They're great. They're yeah, yeah. First three, um, not so much. But. Let's talk briefly about licensed music. Oh. And how... What was that stuff? <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh. Uh, I mean, you're a composer. How do you feel about licensed music in something you're working on? Do you think it bolsters the, the overall it, soundtrack? or It depends what it is. I mean, is it, it a it, crutch? It, <laughs> it depends wholly on what the music is. Like, I feel like licensed music should only be there if there's a reason for it. Like, yeah. if, let's say that like a character has an emotional trauma during i don't know like some rock song if you play that rock song later in the film it's you're going to tie it to a moment right it, but the the other thing it, it can also be like uh what's the like a like a shorthand like you you know what 
most of Ed Sheeran's songs are about. So if you play an Ed Sheeran song, you know how you're supposed to feel. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's a, it's a good way of getting there, but it's also, and when it comes to movies, there's also like marketing angles tied into it as well. You know what I mean? If we have like a hit right, single, right. I mean, it used to be like the other way around. Well, not used to be the other way around, but like I like the way they they did it. You know, where you had like uh, Brian Adams and Michael Kamen on right. Robin Hood. Right. You know, and they yeah, they worked yeah. together, or uh, James Horner and Celine Dion on Titanic. Right. I like the it when the movie they, would advertise the song. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I liked it that way, and I feel like the songs instantly go to number one. Puff like, Daddy and Godzilla, isn't that I'm, Rage Against the Machine had a good Godzilla. They did? Yeah, yeah. It was oh, very subversive because they were talking that. about how, like, the interlinking between entertainment and war and the weapons it, industry and how Godzilla, no, the film, was true. part of a problem. But it was, like, the lead song for the, <laughs> the soundtrack of the movie. The, 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 true, go- cool. the, the true Godzilla song is, uh, what was it, Deeper Underground, Jumeiraquai. Do you remember that? Down, uh, down, yeah, down. Yeah. Down, 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 down. That's going back. That's, like, that was like, That's a good group. I that really was like, like one. Them, yeah. Yeah, wasn't cool. that the first, like, Godzilla movie, the big, it was years, it must have been in the 90s or something. Well, was 98 was the, the Roland Emmerich one. Was that was that like the first big one here? The, that was the first American one that I'm aware of. I think, Besides, I think I mean, if you don't count the like re, redo. That was the dude who wore the big hats. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of times <laughs> licensed music That's all I know. can become, it can become like a bit of a oh, yeah, crutch music. if you're not using it creatively. Yeah. Like I really oh, love yeah. the movie Atomic Blonde, but I, the Charlize Theron spy yeah, yeah, one, yeah. but I hated the music in it because it was all these 80s hit songs that I like in any other context, but it wasn't using them in any right. kind of original way. And other movies had used those songs previously in a better it's way. A better and I feel like a lot of times if you're using a popular song, you need to recontextualize it and make me look at the song in a different way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's the point of even dropping it in there? Yeah, it kind of feels like cheating it on a little else. bit. But I mean, a, g- a good example is like Baby Driver. Do you yeah. remember that oh, one? Yeah, like, yeah. Which, is, it, which is where it's like it's playing the, the intensity of the songs are playing out the scene. I like that. Baby Driver, fun fact... They obviously they had to license all the music at the scripting phase because they needed to know what they were shooting to. To, And the editor was on set cutting the scenes as they went. He had his editing rig on a cart (laughs) and uh, they would do the takes. He would assemble them quickly to the songs and say, yeah, it fits or no, we need this again because it doesn't work. Oh, so to get the timing in. Yeah, Yeah, to get the timing. That's really good. Because like several of those shots are like one takes, like long takes. And uh, so they had to get it right. A lot of musicians always wonder, how do I get my song licensed on a movie or a TV show? The editor is the key. Oh, yeah. 100%. If an editor can make good use of your song, (laughs) they're going to sell it to all the executive producers and everyone who can pay you money for it. So if you're out there as a musician trying to get your song in a movie or a show, buddy up with a bunch of editors. Yeah. That's your key. I'm going to take that advice. (laughs) How do you feel about temp music? Like, if an uh, editor throws in, so, you know, yeah. Led Zeppelin or something, well, that'd be a hard temp, one. Temp but. music's weird. Like, usually, like, the, the point of music in the first place is is it's there to say things that you can't otherwise mm-hmm. say. And I've never understood why people are so down on temp music, because sometimes a director wants to explain how he wants something to feel. Right. And he could either explain it in, like, a 500-word email, or he could just play me a bit of music <laughs> that's like, it's something like this. And usually what I do, it, like, I would get them to send me lots like at least like two or three tracks that they like that work for this scene for them right and then try and find the through line you know sure, what i mean like sure. what is it about all of these three tracks that make, makes or... it work because like i said the notes a lot of the time don't matter it's how you're saying something and usually that's what it comes down to it's like a textural or like a how it feels you know like that a lot of the time so then all my job would be is if i have like a theme or something i've already written in the movie now i just need to make it sound like this temp thing and it, like 
sometimes it's bad. Sometimes you get, I've, I've literally had the comment, can you make it more Zimmer? Like, or it's right. not Zimmerish enough. Right. These kinds of things you get a lot because a lot of the time there's a popular composer and everybody wants to hire that guy, but that guy is really expensive. So they hire guys who are just, you know, who can do that really well, you know? Right. I mean, it's not it's not a fun practice to be hired to be someone else. And a lot of the time you work around it. But what I tend to do is I, I, I listen to the tracks that they want and I get like the general vibe of what they w want for the film or the scene. And then I never listen to it again. Like, But I have that general feeling of what it needs to be. And I tend to find that when you find a through line rather than copy attempt, because what a lot of people do is try and just copy the tape. Right, just do that. Yeah, because like they don't think, pay oh, for it. Because well, a lot of people don't have the like the confidence yet to say to the director, "Oh no, I, I don't think that's a good idea." Or <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like that's that's maybe not, let's do that. So I I often find that if you just don't bring that up with them, listen to it, get the the gist of what they want, right. turn it off, and then make it make your thing that's kind of like it but not it. They tend to love it. I feel time. like you're giving composer film school here in this yeah, episode. This is, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm enraptured. Yeah, I, this I is have very, a YouTube channel. These are very practical. He has a YouTube yeah. channel where he does this. Where I do this. Plug yeah. it. Yeah. What's your YouTube? Uh, what is it? YouTube.com forward slash Dazexus. D A Z E X U S. D A Z Z. You say Z in English. That's Z. In American English, Z is so much cooler. Z is way cooler. D A Z E X U S. You tricked me into saying aunt earlier when I always say aunt. Aunt. Oh, well, I, I like thought, aunt. I, I prefer like aunt. aunt. I say aunt. Aunt feels you very like uh, uh, North so New Englandish. I, I, yeah. like, I, I used oh, well, to, in Midwest, a lot of us say aunt mm. too. I used to live uh, in the north of England, where they'd say things like bath and grass, which is kind of like your grass That's or bath. Disgusting American, yeah. When I say it, comes out American, like a deep Southern guy for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, we just say bath. But I, yeah, like my, but my other accent, the one that I have most of the time, is like grass and bath. Grass, yeah. aunt, bath. Good friend Gross. of mine was he was Scottish and he would say tacos instead of tacos. It was <laughs> ah, tacos. ah tacos. We're gonna so give your aunt a grass bath. We're going to give your aunt a it's grass bath. It's like a weird bath. threat. Give your aunt a taco. <laughs> give your aunt a taco. A taco. Uh, all right. <laughs> Sorry, that was a side. I that was like a side tangent. <laughs> the, mil the million dollar question here, and you can't Didn't you can it. say yourself if you want. Who who's your favorite composer? Just one. Yeah, or name composers. One. Mine are some that came to my mind are Cliff Martinez, Clint Mansell, and Mark Mothersbaugh from uh, Devo. Oh, <laughs> he does all that's the. A, yeah, it's a great choice. He does all the like. He does a lot of the um, Wes Anderson stuff, and mm -hmm. I think they like Ping Island. His Life Aquatic. Strike, Life yeah. Aquatic, dude. Life of Aquatic. So Ping Island Lightning Strike is so good because it starts as like synth. Like just little blips, but yeah. then when they get onto the island, it goes full orchestral, <laughs> but the right. same motif. It's, it's so great. Good. It really is. I, I love, love that. that. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like a rearrangement of the did it. Did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and it's cool. like way like because the synths are pretty sparse, you know. Right. Um, and then they get on the island, and then it has the full orchest orchestra, and like the the you know bass section is like coming in with this other like yeah it's an underrated wes anderson movie it might be my favorite i love i think it was prime for wes anderson backlash just because the culture does that if someone's successful enough it's time to hate them and life aquatic was time to hate wes anderson but it's one of his best movies i agree 100 percent. i think life aquatic is among my probably maybe my favorite of his hotel buddha grand budapest hotel is really good the grand budapest whatever is really good it's a very Stately movie. That one. one's cool too. Yeah, the pink different one. ways. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's how I remember that movie. The pink. Wes yeah. Anderson does. He does a lot of work on the music in his movies, both mm -hmm. with licensed and score. Sometimes he goes a little too heavy with the licensed music, but he also picks some really cool songs. Yeah. Like he'll. Oh, I've never 
thought of that kink song that way after right. seeing Rushmore and then yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Elliot Smith, like the oh god, Neil yeah, in the hay. I'm just like, Ugh, I can't. <laughs> Most um, Elliot Smith, I can't listen to, but, even though yeah. he's one of the best musicians ever. Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah. Uh, real quick, back to licensed music. Watch Dogs is bad, <laughs> right? Uh, so that, I that's an it interesting. Was like one. So okay. insane. So it's, the music it's in that. like a lot of the a lot of the backlash to this you'll hear will be from musicians because music- Watch Men. I mean, not Watch Dogs. Oh, watch totally men. different. Oh, yeah. we're talking about watch Sorry, men. Watch men. Okay, okay. Watch then dogs, I, then not I, the game. Then I watch men. Then I don't know what we're talking about. Watch men. I didn't like the movie. What Neither was up with it? And I can't remember much about yeah. the score. So Sorry, what was happening man. with it? Just the music, the the licensed music is one of those things where it's just like, look what song we got. I don't know. Do I'm, you I'm remember a lot of people mad right now? Do you remember pop culture? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas like Guardians of the Galaxy, like it's overt and pretty in your face, but at least it has like story motivation. Like the tapes it does is they really tied it in well? And yeah. like Watch Watch Men, Watch Dogs, not Watch Dogs, Watch we- Men, uh, <laughs> is uh, yeah. It's just like here's a bunch of songs. I don't know. It's like it's like Suicide Squad. It's well, what just ab- like what about films like uh, where music is the point, like Whiplash or uh, yeah, Bohemian oh, dude, Rhapsody? Yo. What do you think about those? Didn't see Bohemian Rhapsody because I saw that video about the editing and I was like, "Wow, this is awful." But it looked—it looked to me like the editor I, didn't have coverage. I, I had—I have a friend who I think won an Oscar on that. He was working on. Hi, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, most Oscars go to <laughs> go for most. Editing. Yeah, they they won for the best. I think sound editing is what they won it mm-hmm. for. They, like they work over at Twickenham in, oh, uh, cool. in London. Yeah, really cool guys. It was just like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see cool it. Guys I don't know. I don't know. And uh, but yeah, Whiplash, one of the most stressful Dumb. movies I've ever seen in my entire life. My wife oh, calls Whiplash. that movie Douche Drums, douche which I think is a good name for douche it. Drums. Yeah, yeah. A very abusive relationship. I watched Douche Drums yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> didn't like La La Land really. I was okay with it. I, I like, like I yeah I wasn't like mad at it but I like didn't love it. City of Stars. That's a that's a fun song. <laughs> I just like, the I like deep, how I deep like, it comes in. I like Baby Goose. I like his band, uh, Dead Man's Bones. Dead Man's Ryan Gosling. Mm. Uh, Dead Man's Bones. I haven't Lose heard it. Loser yeah, Soul. Kind of Pop Pop Power. What kind of music is that? I'd say it's like indie goth rock with a children's choir. Oh, that you got me there with that pitch. Yeah. isn't Johnny yeah, Depp a in a band as well? Maybe like the Hollywood vampires or oh maybe something like that. Like I the the Ryan Gosling one has it's like very like goth. It's like very about goth. it's it, well it's like fun goth though. It's like <laughs> oh, is there any other kind? That's like an oxymoron. Yeah. So fun goth. Yeah, it's good. Stuff. We just said the opposite thing. I was like, of course, all goth is fun. And all you're goth like, is fun. <laughs> we were making the same joke, but the, the other way around. Yeah, or, or were you? I think too? goth is fun. Oh right. I was pseudo goth in high school. Not really. No, I didn't become really. goth until I was thirty-five, and I'm loving it. I was in like a goth band in high school. I thought goth. Oh, was name like it! Not I want caring. another name. What's you're your goth love, band name? You're gonna love the name of this. Spolia Opima. Spolia oh, what is that? What the it's hell does Latin that mean? It's Latin for rich spoils or the arms taken by the victorious from the vanquished dead. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> sounds, like something, sounds like That's something you need an embarrassing name. cream for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but then. Then after I went to college and stopped taking myself as seriously, uh, we changed the name of that band with all the same members to Dr. Survivor and the At Seas. And then we just had way more fun, and the music got way better. There are a few of the songs from that band that I think are Goths still pretty good. take themselves seriously, though. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part. I, I, got, yeah. I got beyond that. Well, yeah, I, I always saw, like, the, like the, the goths I know, at least. It was very much like the I don't care. Like, I don't care about authority. I don't care about fashion i don't care about yeah. you know what i mean it was like i don't care that was kind of what it was so when you said fun goth it was like i always thought the goth thing was like 
a laid back kind yeah. of attitude, you know? So yeah, it wasn't like a go get them. It wasn't a go get them attitude. Performative goths. I was a performative goth, I think. I was like trying to goth. Goth, goth is on the inside, yeah, yeah. not on the clothes. So the subgenres yeah. of. If you're, really, <laughs> if you're really goth, you're just like, yeah, hey. Well, that's a fun, <laughs> fun goth is, uh, is like its own category. Yeah. I like that, yeah. <laughs> There's like health well, goth. Have you heard that? Health goth, health goth, beach that's goth, thing. Yeah, summer goth, sun goth. <laughs> Apologies to all the goths in the audience. Uh, beach goth. What the hell that's were we, we talking did. about? Favorite composer? Oh, yeah, fuck. Robert <laughs> Cassidy says I was going to start writing up my favorite film scores, and then I realized they were pretty much all from John Williams, Hans Zimmer, Howard Shore, and Danny Elfman. There is like five top guys. Have yeah, you ever noticed that. And then Happy Gaming shouts out John yeah. Carpenter, Christoph Beck, Clint Mansell. John Carpenter makes. Themes for music or themes for movies that don't exist. Yeah, he calls them lost, like lost themes. themes. Lost That's themes. an amazing album. I saw it dope. too. Maybe we're at the same. I concert. think we might have been. He was he like a spry old seventy-year-old. Yeah, one hundred percent. It was so good. With yeah, his clips son. of his movies. Yeah, I, yeah. I was at that, that show. I didn't see you. Yeah, I should have assumed you were there. Carpenter buddies. I haven't been. You can get a high five. <laughs> get a high five. <laughs> high five. Get in there. Just for fun. That was John Carpenter's. And like, yeah. That He's in the stack somewhere. Those concerts. John Carpenter's in there. Yeah, where he is? John Carpenter's. Lo- oh, here. Here's John Carpenter's. Oh, it's a new one. If right you here. like the thing, Escape from New York, all that good shit. He does. I think this is even better than I, his uh, original film scores. Man, the, the names of these things. Lost as well. themes. The, one these are John Carpenter. Vortex, Obsidian, Fallen, Domain, Mystery, Abyss, Wraith, 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 Wraith. Yeah. Purgatory, Night. He might Wraith. be a bit of a fun goth, John he's a, Carpenter. Oh, he's a fun goth. Wraith. Grandpa fun goth. He's a grandpa fun goth. OG fun goth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Goths always have white faces and black makeup to me. Maybe I've just come uh, from a different time. This is, this is the it's a new age. goth <laughs> yeah. right here. Man, I'm always just locked in my studio. I don't have time for like <laughs> different for being social structures. Goth? Well, so I, like, I'm, not, I'm not up with my social structures. That's the... Knob with goths and oh, hey, I know this whatever guy. they're all called. Oh, it follows is a good one because that's Disaster Piece, the video game composer. Yeah, and then my friend uh, David Robert Mitchell, shout out to David, uh, directed this movie and he knew when he was writing the script that he wanted the Fez composer on it. Yeah. He was like, this movie's made for him. So, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a fun guy. He never accepted my Facebook friend request. Which one, Disaster Piece? Or? Yeah. Okay. I've met him a few times. We hung out at like a party one time. And then uh, did Magic? That, that's even more painful. Huh? That's even more painful when you've yeah. met him. <laughs> but I loved what, like, I haven't seen It Follows because I'm a scaredy cat, but uh, I saw Under the Silver Lake. Have you seen that? I play the Mario footage in that movie. So, you know, when Wait, he goes, so, you know, Tover Grace or is yeah. playing. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. It, you yeah, recorded yeah, yeah, that? Yeah. I, that's footage of me playing Mario going to the negative one world. Yeah. I was like, you got to put negative so one world. So, you're this just movie. actually friends with the director of these movies? Yeah, and he knows I'm a big video game nerd. So, he asked me to record <laughs> the do. Mario Brothers footage for the movie, which I was God so happy it. about. Yeah, yeah, it was anyway, my big screen under debut. The Silver Lake rules. I love that movie. It's and a crazy Disaster weird movie. Disaster Piece did the soundtrack for that again, but it sounds like old Hitchcock movie. Like a classic movies. Hitchcock movie, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, that movie's great. I loved it. It's, it's real bonkers. Weird. Yeah, yeah. I love Super how strange. Weird it was. Oh, yeah. Um, Space Dumb says shout out to Pinard Toprock <laughs> and Micah Levy for composing the music for Captain Marvel and Under the Skin, respectively. Two very good and wildly different scores from the last 10 years. Whoa, yeah, that's under some the skin, range. Those are that's some random. Yeah. I, th- I think they didn't do it together. People, right? Yeah, two different people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Michael Levy like, was under the a skin duo and Pinar Toprak, Captain Marvel. Yeah, very different. Under the Skin's music is 
pretty crazy. Have you seen this movie? Scarlett Johansson's an alien who I haven't eats known. people, kind of. You probably wouldn't like it. It's like art. It's, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the way you're selling it to me. So it's artsy it's, slither. Oh, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Dude, uh, that's Beach Goth. That, Beach Goth. <laughs> Beach Goth. That's one of those movies that uh, I re- I liked it when I watched it, but then I found out like how they made it, and it made me appreciate the movie way more. None of them, almost it's none of the men, right? yeah, almost none of the men in oh, this wow. movie that Scarlett Johansson is seducing and then killing in a really weird way. None of them knew it was a movie at first. <laughs> Wait, they what were they, they just, expecting? Scarlett. Johansson they just thought just Scarlett Johansson was like a mm-hmm. prostitute or something, and like sex seducing worker. them. Yeah, <laughs> you're <sex> familiar. <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't. Re- I think they've shot it in like wherever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, interesting movie. Uh, David Geis, G-I-E-S. I have to name drop the late Johan Johansson. Mm. May he rest in peace. His worth, her, his work with De- Denis Villeneuve is among my favorites, especially Sicario and Arrival. I get teared up during Arrival, that music. Oof. Yeah. No. Dude, well, and Sicario as well, as I said before. Yeah, like, man. It's so minimal, but, like, so impactful, too. Mm. I love it. Uh, oh, they're talking about Philip Glass. Matthew the next comment. Glass. Thank you, Matthew Mishima. Eden. That's in here somewhere. Philip Glass documentary <laughs> scores. It's in oh, one I of love, these records. Uh, yeah, we dig I love far Philip enough. Glass. Yeah. Well, let's find it. Uh, you keep reading this comment. I'll okay. do the digging. Uh, Philip Glass is my favorite film composer. This is from Matthew Eden, and I believe his score for Paul Schrader's Mishima: A Life in Four Chapters is his best work. The film has a very unique visual aesthetic that switches from black and white to a sort of bright pastel color palette that is extremely abrasive throughout the film, but the score matches it, uh, and it's great. I cannot pronounce this. But oh, yeah. It's used in the Truman Show. Powakwatsi, I it's think? It's very, if you're down Pawquatsi. on your life. Is it's that a, what's his name? Um, oh, what's his name? The film director? Yeah, is that uh, the guy who did, um, like... It's a series. All those of ones that have words like that that I can't yeah, say. Yeah, about yeah. like society the and technology. Yes, I really like the uh, song. Is very like inspiring. It cheers me up if I'm having a bad time. It's like when uh, Truman Show Jim Carrey gets on the boat and like tries to break out of his little confines of his reality oh, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, dude, it's in, awesome thing. In film school, I I made a one of my first short films was like an assignment, and I used um, the what is it called? Einstein on the beach? No. The one where it's talking about a sailboat, the Philip Glass. Which okay, is repeating, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And there was wind in the sailboat, and it was very clean, <laughs> very clean and pure, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, what's that one? That one's I'm weird. Oh, this is position. Scanners and the Brood, which oh. I believe is that Howard Shore who did the... Uh, oh, really? Possibly. Something about me. My knowledge of films Correct and who did them is Correct us in the comments. Terrible. But uh, they're amazing. Cronenberg's really creepy. Love, but this, this is all. like orchestral creepy. Yeah. So uh, it's a cool, he's like kind of a classical film composer. And then hearing his take on creepy shit yeah. is amazing. Maybe he did Videodrome well, as well. Yeah, Mondo and Death Waltz. Just as a, lots of cool as a side point, mo- most composers, most artists in general are what you call reactive. You know, you react to things. Th- this picture is incredible. Uh, incredibly reactive. You could write some songs I, about I that. Could, like, yeah. I, like, my brain does this. Write I think song, most composers write do. Write a song to it and then... Well, that's what I'm saying. You see a picture and your brain, and your, your brain fills it. in, like, this song. Like, I, I, like, you would know what that sound... It's weird. It's a weird... Like, it's hard to explain to yeah, What's that yeah, word? Yeah. It's almost like synesthesia. 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 Yeah, exactly. So, like, I see a picture. An image and I, I you hear, hear I hear what that sounds like. It's... Yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. Which is why I was trying to cover up the porn, you see. <laughs> oh, um, whoops. Yeah, so I'm just... Yeah, <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of stuff. I'm getting so distracted over here. It's just dumped, like, an entire pile of porn in front oh, of me. Oh, here's right. Barbarella. That'll help. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> Come here. Um, 
Uh, Michelle Jackson <laughs> brings up Joe Hisashi, <laughs> who I actually saw that concert. Joe Hisashi. Oh, here we go. I brought some Joe oh. Hisashi. Uh, a lot of Ghibli movies. Did you go to I did not. I didn't know he was here. So I'm so bummed I missed it. This is his composition to a manga. It's really cool. This sounds very video game like. Composition to a manga? Yeah. This manga got adapted. I believe it's called Kisho Tenyo. Um, that's but anyway, right, if you want to hear, on the spine there. yeah, if you want to hear more experimental Joe Hisashi oh, that, from the oh, Ghibli movies, yeah, did, like, yeah, he, Man, he did, he did um, what was the Nino Kuni? Love that song. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh he worked on the game. Uh, He's like fun, the fun. Hans Zimmer of Japan. He did like one hundred film scores at least. Hans yeah. Zimmer of Japan. Yeah, or Hans Zimmer my, is the Joe Hisashi. I'd go more with the John Williams. Like he's definitely more like orchestral. Yeah, like. Hans, I'd say, is like more your hybrid guy. I just meant in terms of like his uh, popularity or oh, okay. ran- so, renown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. comparisons. Yeah. yeah, my world is like who they sound like. Uh, <laughs> Keanu La'a brought up Star Wars and John Keanu. Williams, uh, but specifically that um, it, a lot of the the feel of John Williams's music uh, is that. Uh, it feels kind of like uneasy to them, and they convey a sense of exploration and traveling into the unknown, unaware of the dangers out there, and John Williams also has the luxury of having the best motifs to resolve these tracks. The main hooks of Leia's theme, the binary sunset, Imperial March, Anakin versus Obi-Wan, Duel of Fates, and more, all resolve that uneasiness (coughs) into triumphant victory or bitter defeat, Uh, the feeling of just making it, hanging on by a thread, or the fear of falling short. I just thought that was a fun description. Yeah, yeah. good descriptions. Uh, Tokyo Slim brings up Alexander Desplat, who does a lot of. Uh, uh, I don't know that Harry Potter. Wes Anderson stuff. Yeah, oh, cool. Clint, Clint Mansell, you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who did, you know, Requiem for a Dream, Fountain Moon, Black Mirror, San, San Junipero. Desplat uh, does Grand Budapest Hotel, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Shape of Water. I think he won an Oscar for Shape of Water, possibly. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think he did. Um, Fine off. Other historical stuff that I can't. <laughs> pronounced the lawrence of arabia soundtrack if i recall the story correctly they had to do the entire soundtrack in like a week and a half or something like that i I don't know look into it so as long as it takes to watch the movie they had to compose first i i had waited to see lawrence of arabia until it was in a theater and i saw it in the chinese 70 millimeter and it was awesome i'd never seen it before i watched it on a vhs on like a <laughs> 20 inch tv not the right way to see lawrence that's of how arabia. i watched braveheart on vhs's in the basement of a church <laughs> when i was like 13 that sounds about right yeah. i think i had that experience yeah, too yeah. i, I never the, recovered <laughs> i always meant like those big movies that you watch on the plane do you know what i mean like oh, you, yeah, you watch yeah. it for the first time on the plane and it's this big <laughs> yeah and, and you've like, got like that is that chris cooper <laughs> who is that <laughs> um whatever there are a whole bunch of other ones here uh Oh, yeah. yeah. Carl Williams asked who our favorite director-composer duo is. Oh, people who stick together. Stick together. So they, they say Hitchcock and Herman, Herman, uh, Sergio Leone and Maricone. You see, you're gonna, Burton you're Elfman gonna there. Yeah. Spielberg, Williams, Miyazaki, Hisashi, Burton Elfman, Name Nolan Zimmer, <laughs> Anderson Desplat. Any more you can think of? None. None. Because like, they, <laughs> they named them all. I, c- I can only think of one. But Those it ones. It doesn't exist anymore. That it was it was Tony Scott and Harry Gregson Williams. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, like, he passed away since. Mm-hmm. But, like, th- their combinations, like Domino, Man on Fire, like, anything they did together. Did they do uh, True Romance? What, what was the train one called? The Pelham 123? Yeah. Taking a Taking Pelham, a Pelham it was It was a remake of something, wasn't it? But they did yeah. that one together. Incredible scores. And, and they were always... So one of the cool things they did is they actually worked out, like, a sound language between them that Harry... 
and I'm I'm paraphrasing so this story because I know Harry. So like, if this story's wrong, I, I apologize. But like, so what they would do is he would make like a sound palette, you know, like of these dun 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 dun, just like these kind of one shot sounds or whatever. And when when Tony was in the editing phase, they would he would use these sounds and pull them in for cuts for oh, edits. Okay. And then so when Harry came to do the score, he would have like all these pre edits to work around. <laughs> But like that, that was that was what kind of gave them ident- their identity, you know, like because Funny, they were yeah. kind of it was kind of the music was like they had a lot of the music was being dictated by the edits or, or the other way around. But like it was very it was very in, yeah, and like, very locked in, yeah. you know, like cuts were on the thing. So it was a very collaborative thing. And, and by giving him some of his sound effects to put in the editing phase, they were able to tie it all in so like watch something like domino it's like mostly like loops and yeah. you know like, so sound loops and stuff which is just like a pre-record of yeah. someone playing something and then you can just drop it in that's how i make most of my music <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so you could record like a, a guitar loop you playing the guitar and then you drop it in and then like if you want it to play again you just copy it you know? it is interesting how the subtlest changes can completely transform the way a scene feels i remember right. recently on a tv show spending at least a day trying to find the right sound effects for lights coming on on a stage oh, yeah. and it just didn't feel right until you had the right sound for it and you'll sit like, there and go <laughs> yeah instead of like click 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 i was looking for a boom 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 like a stadium yeah. but you know what someone could do is they could edit all our sounds together from the all our sound effects from this episode and make a song out of it yeah <laughs> we've done it That'd enough this episode yeah <laughs> That's the million dollar project. Yeah. yeah. I, there's, there's a video. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if it exists anymore, but there was a video by Mick Gordon who did, uh, yeah. Doom, did the yeah, music yeah. to Doom. And he went round, I think it was GDC, and he went round, he was just like, make a noise, you know? Oh, yeah. And he went round and he got all of these samples, which is what you were talking about there. And he, he wrote a piece of music with all like people just at GDC making random. I, uh, a song for a, for a thing I'm that we're doing at Easy Living, which Easy I living. won't specify because it'll spoil what we're doing but i sampled something uh <laughs> for the to make the drum beat uh i love sampling so it's please fun. be excited be excited <laughs> i realized I, when i started talking i was like no i can't say what i sampled it from or it'll ruin the entire thing so i can't so you told us that you can't tell us something yeah <laughs> please look forward to please, it. For please, that be one. <laughs> please be excited uh let's talk about cool unique weird uh like composing techniques or tricks i mean the one everybody knows is hans zimmer dropped a piano off a building did he for yeah um what was it sherlock holmes yeah mikey novak actually mentioned that and i I, I thought of that too and like in the joker theme i think he hits guitar strings with pencils or pens man uh, that 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 story always cracks me up well you know hans zimmer right uh, yeah like i I worked with i was like uh i don't know like an assistant i guess odd job man back in like the Sherlock Holmes two days and then since then like I, w- I wanted to go off and do Metal Gear so like we parted ways then but you know we still interact in something you know every now and again but uh, the, the, the thing that always cracks me up so the story I always heard about the, the Dark Knight was they went away and they recorded like what was it like a thousand bars of just like razor blades on strings and stuff and if you uh... listen to it it's all like clink 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 and they're like and apparently they gave it to Chris Nolan to listen to. And I, I just imagine poor Chris Nolan like getting this thing like, oh, Hans has delivered his first cue. And because <laughs> he says that he listened to it all due to it. I just imagine him on this plane listening to a thousand bars of... And like, like, <laughs> he's just like what the hell? And he's just sitting there going, like, keep an open mind, Chris. <laughs> keep, <laughs> just keep an open mind. But like, you know, and he's like, I'm, what was the word? He said, I'm not sure what, but I feel like it's in there somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the polite way of a director saying, I... Yeah. I 
You're like, what the hell did you just give me? Ooh, you're looking at something cool there. That's Sorry, Johnny Jewel. By the Johnny Jewel themes for, themes television. for television. So he did a lot of the composing for Twin Peaks season oh, three, and he wrote so much the music. Return? Yeah, first for the return that there was some. Is Bob to, dead? Uh, I think his got used also. They were oh, both okay, in there, okay. um, but there was so much score left over that right. wasn't used. It just got kind of like its own album. So yeah. themes for television, not explicitly Twin Peaks season three, but if you like that, this is very much in oh, the tune cool. of that. Um, but yeah, Twin Peaks: The Return grew on me. As I was watching it, I was not having a great time, and now, like months removed, I'm like, oh yeah, that was pretty great. It's a challenging experience, but yeah. by the end, I when feel like it adds it up to something. Movie. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Back to what we were talking about. What were we talking about? Weird techniques. We're te- so I te- the best the best soundtrack, it's not a movie, it's a game, so like I'm stretching it a bit, but my favorite one ever was, uh, do you remember the score to Infamous by Eamon, to- Eamon Tobin? Oh, the video game? Oh, Eamon Eamon Tobin. Tobin. The yeah, video yeah, yeah, game yeah. Infamous. I didn't know Eamon Tobin did that. I, I, yeah. They, now, <laughs> now you said it, I'm like, did he? But no, he definitely did. Let's look it so, up. No, 100% did. But like, so what they did is they recorded... I remember watching a, like a behind the scenes thing on it and I, I was blown away. They were doing all sorts of weird shit. Like, so they were taking all these uh, like trash can lids and they were bowing them. They've got like this old metal rack and they were like hitting it and bowing it. They were uh, getting like uh, wind, in, you know, brass instruments and using them as percussion instruments. Uh-huh. They were getting like bungee cords, strapping it across uh, like a double bass, which is like a big, yeah. big drum, covering it with beads, you know, like uh, beans, sorry, you know, like hard beans and then flicking the thing so it goes... <laughs> That's really cool. It's the whole fun. So the whole soundtrack, and the thing I loved about it is, is because remember I was talking about the man on fire sound design thing. It was at the same time, so like mm. I was really big on sound design, and it, so what they did is they just record all these things, and I just imagined how fun it must have been for Eamon when he got like all these samples because they recorded at Sony. You know, Sony has their own yeah. thing. The just getting, imagine just getting all like these loops and sound hits of all these cool sounds, and then just trying to make this tapestry of like chaos. You know, yeah. That, that that's why I love that score. It is literally like that. That's a good way of putting it. It's like a tapestry of chaos. Like <laughs> all the bits by themselves sound horrendously like atonal like, and this? dissonant, but you put them together, and it's like. <laughs> there's another sound for the, the yeah. song someone's going to get but like amazing soundtrack they did so many things that I can't even remember I have a recommendation for a great sample if someone wants to do it I had to get some medical tests done recently <laughs> luckily everything is cool Good, but I had okay. to get an echocardiogram to like oh. look at shit in my heart yeah. and then it made the craziest noise. I thought it would be good in the song. So normally you think of a heartbeat as ba-boom, ba-boom. Yeah. But it's actually really kind of squishy in there, like a cool Bjork song or something. Liquid, it was yeah. like... Short. And I was like, oh, man, someone could take that and make something. Apex Twin or somebody yeah, <laughs> could make yeah, a song yeah. out of it. I Just mean, a recommendation. <laughs> I don't want to piss on your parade, but like heartbeat stuff is like a thing. There's like a like a category of sure, sounds. Sure, I've, I've heard like a lot of things. it, but yeah. I didn't realize like uh, the actual like uh, organic sound. Oh, you mean like literally? Like a yeah, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. squishy part of it, because the boom, boom, boom is really overused in movies. But yeah, yeah the sort of like yeah. it might be a bit wishy washy yeah. to mix, but yeah, because like, it'd be like. <laughs> I wonder if you could do the same. No, you thing totally could. Like an ultrasound of a baby. Well, yeah. They usually that sound like, kind of, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> more sound. They use that in movies a lot. We've got a whole soundboard like, here that yeah, we've yeah. created. Yeah, uh, it's, it's fun. I mean, like one of the things I do is I I own a uh, a company that makes sound design for co- other composers to you know to, to write music with. Like Plug it. What's it called? Hybrid2.com. Ah, anyway, hybrid, but like, like what you're talking about before. Exactly. <laughs> but like so, like what we do is we we record like a washing machine and then we turn like we hit it with a hammer. But then we layer it with some like hitting a car, slamming a car door. You know, like you layer all these things together, like you would with any sound design. And you create. 
create these <laughs> musical uh, elements. But yeah, that, that's that's one of those. Sorry, uh, it was a complete side tangent. But carry on. But no, I love stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. it's very cool. It was like, just in that field, so like th- that's one of those things that I do. So I often find myself on occasion just going. I need a sound that's like, and I will record it into the microphone so that then I'm layering sounds on top of what I re- oh, said yeah. so, that I, so that I know what it is I'm supposed to be building yeah. so I don't lose track. And it's, it's funny because you have your own recall. So if you record your own voice doing it, you, even though, like if I showed you, you would just hear, but to me, I hear all the intricate details of that thing. That building. Every, it time, yeah. every time I hear my voice do it, I hear yeah. all the bits that the idea had on it. I have. Yeah. I, there's something that I've run into sometimes that I'm sure you have as well. Is like, I've done a. I, I recently got into modular synths too, <laughs> and I have a, a drummer from another mother and a marbles and a plates, yeah. uh, plats doing their thing. And in, and this one thing I came up with, this, or it came up with this really cool thing. <laughs> and like I hear this really cool bass line in it as well. Yeah. But then sometimes I was listening to it and I'm like, wait, is that actually in it? Or am I just like mentally hearing it's, it? It's like that Yanni and Laurel thing. Do you remember right, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And well, uh, what was the other one that you could decide which one you heard? It was the one that came out right after Yanni and Laurel. Uh, um, I can't remember which it one was it was. Like the, uh, it was like the, whatever. It was like a duck it's, or something. It's similar things. It's just because um, you, your brain, your brain has an amazing ability to fill in information. So if it only gets half information, it fills in the rest. So the Yanni and Laurel one is like uh, the frequency spectrum. A lot of it, I think, depends on your hearing. So if you can yeah. hear more higher frequencies, you'll hear it one way. But if it's muted, you'll only hear the underbit and your brain will fill in the rest. So your brain you is more likely to hear one thing if you've got worse hearing. There's a thing with teenagers, right? That they can hear higher frequencies. Yeah, so yeah. some places in the mall would and, uh, play these irritating high frequencies to drive away teenagers, yeah. but most adults couldn't hear it. Well, and men also apparently lose that faster. Uh, yeah, but that's because we're more likely a, to put our face up against a speaker, like guess, in a club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blow things up. My friend, a friend of mine is having like a problem with her car and she was driving around with the mechanic and she was like, yeah, so that noise uh, is really irritating. And he oh, was didn't like, hear anything? And he couldn't hear anything. That's the end. And then, like, he was, like, starting to be like, uh, well, no, I don't hear anything. I'm sure your car is fine. And then she, she like, had, like, a really, like, she was, like, a very empowering, like, moment where she uh, rolled the window down to a woman that was walking on the street, like a stranger. <laughs> and was just like, sorry, do you hear this crazy noise coming out of my car? And the woman was like, oh, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> and the guy was just like. He like she said he got like really worried. He was like, "Oh my god, I can't hear it. <laughs> like, what's happening?" <laughs> Felt kind of bad for him, but um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Happy gaming brings up Hans Zimmer. <laughs> uh, Connor Rose. Ro- oh yeah, I liked this story. Connor Rosine. Rosine. Uh, with regard to Interstellar's original soundtrack, Hans Zimmer noted apparently on his noted version of the script after Cooper says docking it in the script. Zimmer just wrote Go Ham on the <laughs> organ, which became the track No Time for Caution. But then uh, the track went so hard on the organ that when they released the official version of the score, Zimmer replaced the organ with strings because he thought that most people's headphones wouldn't be able to keep up with the organ. But then people got really, really mad. And so they had to release the organ version too, wow. which I thought was really funny. Man. Um, Interesting. That, that is how composers talk to musicians, by the way. Go ham. Like, oh, yeah. It's a very casual language with musicians because a lot of the time it, you don't talk music. It's the same as how you talk to like a director. Like, if you say go ham, you know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, an f- anecdote from my own life, like I used to be in bands a lot in Chicago and I was with people who were like really good musicians. Like yeah. my guitar player is just, at the time, he was a genius, you know? 
like went to music conservatory at DePaul, like knows everything, you know. And uh, we would be like coming up with songs and I would have like an idea and I would always like think in like metaphors for like, like if I'm singing about being like sad about a woman or something, I'm like singing about like a house in the desert, right? And like, yeah. and I would describe it to him. I'm like, yeah, so I don't, we got to be, it's like, it's like the parched ground and like you see the cracks and there's like this building and you know, the wood is all sun bleached and stuff. And then that's he, exactly how I give directions. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then he would just start going like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, uh huh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd have gone, man, can you just make that really sweaty? Just, just make yeah. that, make it feel really sweaty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah thirstier just yeah make uh, it thirstier <laughs> but yeah totally like that's yeah. how you just you just spew emotions but like that's what i love about film and i think that music is a huge part of that and i think i may have said this before but like <laughs> music is the most effective way of just like hurling feelings at yeah, people oh yeah. and then when it's paired with a movie uh that's why i love film so much is it's it really is the the, the marriage of like every fine art yeah. at one time and like yeah, man, you could just like, and that's why I think that works so well. Is like you you tell the musician like these feelings and images, and then well, like you just do it. Like, like on this, so th this this stage play was about horses, and this rhythm here is da 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 da, -da, -da and yeah. I'm like, play it like you're riding a horse. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so so it became like da 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 da, -da yeah. you know, like it became like the galloping feel, and you could see them all like kind of feeling. <laughs> they're all they're all like da da da, yeah. <laughs> but like it, it, it's a fun, you know, just a fun behind the scenes comment on that is is that. Yeah, the way we talk to each other is very flat like that. Just, just go ham. Just go big. Uh, someone, uh, not in a comment that I pulled directly, but mentioned Ben Frost, mm -hmm. and I think Ben Frost is a really interesting musician slash composer. But he did a thing that you would probably dig, called the Wasp Factory. Did I ever tell you about the Wasp? <laughs> I think you factory? did tell me about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was like an audio book, maybe. It's or an, no, it's like an opera. Okay, neo opera. And it's it's inside the head of a homicidal misogynist <laughs> little boy. Yeah, I think there's a book, right? That it's based it's, it's on. It's based yeah. on a book, and which I have not read because, good lord, it seems depressing as hell. But uh, the the cool catches all the characters in the the opera, I guess, are um, in you know the voices in his head, but they're all women. Uh, it just makes it this really cool. Anyway. I, I love simple blurbs for co complex stories. Yeah. It's about a homicide little kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, like, that, the reason I bring it up, I'm not just randomly yeah. spewing. I'm enjoying it. About, about Brent, Ben Frost and the Wasp Factory is, like, the feelings elicited by that music. Like, I can just, like, think the Wasp Factory and, like, immediately feel everything from right. the Wasp Factory. And, uh, yeah, whatever. That's just what music does. So that's a dumb what, thing what to say. What other films but. can you do that with? Like you, you just oh. you, you say that you say the name of it and you feel the score. Like I feel it with Gladiator. Like Gladi that, that's yeah. why I wrote it down. Like the melodies in Gladiator. You know what I mean? You can say it and my dun da 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 dun da da. Yeah, you know, like I'm hearing like the I battle mean, theme shit. in my Hans head. Hans Zimmer is pretty good at that. Like I mean, like for yeah. better or worse, Interstellar, Inception. You know, like you get that kind of vibe. But for me, mo more more, it's like stuff like The Brothers Bloom or like that weird those kinds of weird comedic melancholy movies those are the ones that really like amelie and like all those like french pseudo comedy movies like yeah. city of lost children and stuff like those kind of stuff i can be like that's the mood yeah what, what do you think about the the score what's it called the holiday that's a zimmer score isn't it uh, is that the one with kate uh it's winslet like, and jack black yeah yeah it's actually a pretty good movie it, it, do you remember the score no. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. It's a good score. It's a good score. You oh, should okay, give it another okay, go. Okay. It's a good one. Uh, it's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, no, it was, it was Zimmer's score, so related. We did, Helen Y asked about placeholder songs, and Warren Blythe asked about not 
putting music in a scene, so we actually already answered mm. those. Um, uh, real quick, if you have any thoughts on how much is is it possible to have too much score? Yes, absolutely. Uh, like like what I said earlier about the muscle. You know what I mean? If you if you just run, if you sprint for the whole yeah. thing. afterwards you'll just be too exhausted to enjoy your time whereas if you sprint for a bit and then enjoy the scenery let let the See, let let the world around you just be for a minute and then jog off and then you know what i mean it's got more of a more of a a day to it you know it's got more of a story (laughs) to it the reverse side of that question i saw there was how much is too little and i have the perfect example of that the one of my favorite movies is a silent film the passion of joan of arc it's a beautiful beautiful movie lots of close-ups i do have i do have this here um (laughs) the thing about the first time i saw this movie it had zero score and it was never it never had a score written for it originally wow so sometimes movie houses when they would screen it they'd play their own little thing but i didn't know that and i put it on and it was just complete silence and it was impossible to watch yeah. in complete silence no audio whatsoever so i just put on my own music the first time that's i watched good. it that's awesome um, but now criterion has re-released the passion of joan of arc with a new score that was composed by members of portis head and Whoa. gold frap what and it completely <laughs> what? reinvents the movie and that's like crazy. I already loved the movie before, but now it's shot up to like top ten wow. for me. It's so tragic and so captivating. And like I'm not a spiritual person at all. Obviously, Joan of Arc was, but yeah. the score got me there. And it's got some of your wow. ab- abrasive cacophonous stuff in there. Mm. It's not all melodic, but it you really feel the sacrifice she's making. It feels like she's Braveheart. Like she feels wow. more triumphant, that yelling really freedom. It, it sounds does. like that they gave you the context, the correct context to 100%. understand the pictures that they were giving you. I mean, like that's why it's a cool before and yeah. after because I heard it with nothing and realized yeah. how much was missing. Yeah, like if Man. there's sometimes like, I think it's. Um, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, you know, like with James Newton Howard, there's another combination, by the yeah. way. Like, uh, like uh, I was watching a, a video with him, and he's always, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, when he goes to uh, James Newton Howard, he always says, like, I don't want to score this film. Like, I want no music, no music, <laughs> no music. And then what James Newton Howard does is he writes music before the film, even, you know, like just reads yeah. the script, writes some music. And then uh, it's very clever, actually, because it allows them to kind of sit with it for a while and then temp it in and then try it and then, and then slowly over time build. But yeah. Too, too, too little music is as I don't think it's as dangerous as too much because, right. like you said, oh, you that's can, interesting. As even as the composer, yeah. you'd make that yeah, judgment. I, sil- yeah. Silence I think you're is, right, though. Yeah. Silence is music as well. You know what I mean? It's it's if what is it? If it's uh, a rest. If, if everything's highlighted, nothing's highlighted. Right. It's one of those right. things. You know, like if everything's got music, then music's just there if for the sake of special, it. Everyone's special. No, no one. Is. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> that <Yeah>. syndrome. <laughs> uh, that's who says that in oh. Incredibles one. Uh, Incredibles 2 is bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where are we going with that? I don't know. We'll just do the next thing. <laughs> We've been going for a long time, so I'm going to try to breeze through the rest a little quicker. I'm having fun. I'm mm-hmm. having a blast. Yeah, I just want to respect your time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, but I'm here to party. There's a, uh, there's a theater in El Segundo? Is that like part of the name? Yeah. There's a theater El in El Segundo. If El Segundo is south by that freaky like gas... Plant. Yeah, that's where I'm thinking. El Segundo's got a big gas plant. Yeah, yeah. That there's a mo- there's a theater down there, the name of which I don't recall, that plays silent theaters, and they have like a giant Wurlitzer um, oh, wow. organ. Like the old in school it. one. Oh, Huge. have you ever seen a silent film yeah. with a live score yes. performed? Yes, that's what I was going to say. They got like yeah. all the bells and stuff. They and played. And a, I've seen a couple of movies there. One where the person was live playing it, but then another one they have a cool thing where the I assume a computer is hooked up to this thing, but like. 
it records the performance of a, yeah, of the artist. The boxes, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And so they played. I, I think it was Girl Shy, uh, an early, um, not Charlie Chaplin, the other one. Uh, you know the big famous early silent guy who's really funny Buster Keaton yep that's the one uh, they played that movie with the like saved Wurlitzer thing oh cool it was really cool that movie's actually pretty cool I but, went to uh, one at the Hammer Museum uh, where they showed some Fellini movies with a live organ score yeah. and then they also showed and for some reason I keep coming back to this I apologize of old pornography film from like the 1920s and it was like a satanic pornography thing <laughs> we people were wearing robes and stuff but it was like with all these museum goers like mostly like older people in their 60s and 70s and we were all sitting there watching a live score to this satanic erotic film <laughs> it was quite the experience that's phenomenal uh, porn will rewrite your neural pathways and give you novelty addiction I think we all have novelty addiction now don't we I got As over a culture? it how did you do it how did you break the cycle I stopped you stop novelty altogether? Well, the porn Or specifically yeah. erotica. The erotica, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gave it up. Yeah. yeah. I feel like... M- life is much better. Dude, Americans I got, I got something going wash. on right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, am I so bad? <laughs> I'm getting back on or off the wagon, whichever means... <laughs> this is when your parents come to your bed or you throw yeah. it under the, under the bed. Yeah. <laughs> throw all your final <laughs> Italian softcore soundtrack. I listen to record. it for the compositions, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> It's really sterling composition. Uh, what the hell? Um, <laughs> this is more fun than it has any right to be. I'm having a blast. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about the film's soundtracks um, telling, like, informing how you feel without telling you how you Matt. feel. And the example I have, real quick, is the same damn composer, Junkie XL. Yeah, right. I really liked. Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I had a blast. And then I saw The Dark Tower, which admittedly, not a great movie, but the soundtrack was not good. It sounded yeah. like bad X-Files episodes. Like, yeah, really, I can picture that. really, yeah. really on the nose, just terrible. And then I looked it up afterwards, and I was like, wow, this is the same dude? Yeah. Like, what the hell? Um, yeah, but those those are an example for me of, like, you know, also, Shane Carruth writes the music as he's writing the... the for Upstream um, Color? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Primer. a great movie. I love, I love Upstream Color, dude. It's yeah, like one of my yeah. favorite movies. But he writes the music as he's writing the script. I acted in a student film with Amy Simons that my God. wife directed. <laughs> She's really cool. Yeah, yeah, a friend of mine is friends with both of them. And oh, cool. I'm so I don't jealous. know Shane Carruth. So I don't know director. Yeah. I do have uh, my little... Uh, I was at... I was at a double screening of Primer and, and Upstream Color, and Shane Carruth and Amy Simons were an- answering questions. And uh, and I said, because he had listed a few of his favorite movies, and they were like some of my favorite movies, uh, which it was like The Limey and uh, North by Northwest, like a few of my other like actual all-time favorites. And I just stood up, and I asked, like a bunch of people were asking like classic Q&A questions where they went on for goddamn ever and didn't say anything, and then they were all like, oh, yeah. Uh, but I just went up, and I was like, have you seen Cache? And then Amy Simons was like, the Michael Haneke film? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, no, I haven't seen it. And I'm like, I think you might like it. <laughs> <laughs> so you did that in the Q&A in audience? In the Q&A. Yeah, yeah. I just recommended cachet to him. My question is not so much a question. It's more of a comment, really. more <laughs> a comment. Uh, anyway. Man, what was, what was and then the, she was like, that's good. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> what was the name of that? I don't even know if it was a movie. It might have been a play. But like, I think it was, was it Lynch? Like it was rabbits or something. It's just two rabbits on oh, the yeah, stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Man, the That's soundtrack a, to that is David incredible. Lynch. You're talking about David Lynch yeah, yeah, yeah. movie? Yeah. Is it a it's, movie? I think it's just called Rabbits. It was like a web series? I, I don't ah. know what, what it's, it's It's like a feature. Is it feature length? It's a they long... They put it out... I think it was a web series and then they put it out as like a DVD. Yeah, I haven't heard of this. If you watch it all in one time, it feels it. like a really creepy feature. It's the most yeah. bizarre thing. So it's like two people dressed, or three people, I think, dressed as rabbits. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're living a life that's spread over time. So like one person will ask a question and another person will answer it, but not for like 10 minutes. You know, like, uh. and so like they're having this conversation beyond each other and they're all like standing really unnaturally and the score's just got this kind of... Just, that sounds about just, right. Just, yeah. const- just constantly going on, but it's it's and it's interesting. Like you don't watch it for enjoyment; you watch it as if to try and figure out what yeah. it's trying to say. But then every I think that now was and again, like get- the pre-Inland Empire, like when he became obsessed with autofocus and consumer cameras, so everything right. looked like weird and bad. It did look weird and bad, but yeah. like, that's kind of it. But it's like the point. That, yeah. yeah, that's its aesthetic. And then there's these moments where like something will happen. And there's just like this little undercurrent. From what I remember, if there may not even be music there, I can't even remember. But to me, I felt I felt (laughs) I felt a musical moment happen. You know, like but just that is the only time that something happened for me. And I I will I'll be so embarrassed if like there's no music there now because in my head there's 100% (laughs) music when that happens. But like just that. Well, you're a composer. That's your job. Going back to like the highlighting thing, like this whole thing is just. And then someone opens the door and it's like. And then back to. And it's just these juxtapositions of just these moments, these little. I want to see this. I want to see it too. Don't watch it it. expecting to understand. And even with like the time thing, like the the conversation being had over time, I think is like a theory. I don't know if that was actually true, but you watch it and you start trying to like piece it together that way. It's actually quite fun. That's very cool. Try try and listen to the soundtrack because it's one of those ones where it like, is it music? Is it, you know, or is it just like, like you say, is it air conditioning? Is it live or is it unsettling? Yeah, it's really good. Really well done. Whatever it is, it's really well done. My wife and I have a running joke that my taste in movies is boring and confusing and uh i do like that a yeah. lot i like to be slightly bored and very confused you and I that's a great went, time at the movies to me and, and i probably went to the same screening of verkmeister harmonies at the midnight screening or i did not see that but yeah oh, really? I, I know you've pitched me on it yeah oh you haven't seen it uh-uh. oh yeah right it's four hours long and 11 shots yep sounds perfect <laughs> you'd love sounds it. ideal you'd love it <laughs> that that again is one of those things you do so you can talk about it yeah you know? yeah <laughs> Also, I've thought of it like three times for no particular reason, but have you guys seen Wings of Desire, the Vim Vendors? I have, and I I do not like it. Really? Yeah, I do not like it. But it's got Nick Cave in it. Yeah, Nick Cave is great. That's he's my favorite the, part, only of good part, yeah, in the part of the movie. I don't remember. I want to like Vim Vendors. Uh, I think I've seen something else by him. Did he. Who did Paris, Texas? Is that? That's him. Okay, I, I love Paris, I Texas. Seen that. Wings of Desire, I, I just couldn't get there. I wasn't what sure what he was Nicholas doing. What about Nicholas Rogue? What's his film uh, again? Man Who Fell to Earth, Walkabout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are cool. I've seen Man Who Fell to Earth. Yeah. Walkabout's Man. cool. I, this is going to be embarrassing, but like, and you can tell me, but like, did Children of Men have any music in it? It had music in it because the, the, wasn't there. Michael Caine was is like, do you mind if I play Zen music? Yeah, not not ones that's rock. in the music. Not, not diegetic. Yeah, not diet. I can never say it right, but yeah, not diegetic. that. Me either. Diegetic. <laughs> not I love that. diegetic. Not in the film. <laughs> Shout out to Sharp Objects. Really cool. No, not source music. It's yeah, not yeah, in yeah, the yeah. scene. I don't. Does uh, it have score? I, it might not. Or if it does, it's pretty I, low I, like, key. So, like going back to what we were saying, I feel like that's a score that worked would work without a score. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I, I can't remember there being one. And if it was, like, it couldn't have been doing much. But if it was, it did it well. I guess. It I don't pretty, know. Yeah. It, but that just seems like a film that would work without too just, much music. Yeah, just there to fill the. It's so gritty and. 
It's a very immediate feeling. And yeah. sometimes scores can kind of frame it as an object away from you. Yeah. Whereas, and that's good sometimes. It heightens it, but without it, you feel more like you're it in It does maintain a degree of gritty realism yeah. because there's no music. Except for when the blood hits the lens and then it fades away later and you can tell where the cut was because of it. <laughs> that's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, okay. Like uh, okay. cameras being there when they're not meant to be there. Or the truck goes huge in the mud like, like yeah. on the huge camera. Yeah, yeah. Like unless the camera's part of the story, don't have not shit a big hit the saving private Ryan. Like yeah. Yeah, don't do yeah, that. Don't huh. The the biggest one that gets like I you know, District Nine is a fine movie, but like the fact that the camera person just suddenly stops existing in the world of the story really makes me angry. Cause like it's an actual camera person for the first half, and then they're standing in the tall grass. Mink, Chartel Copley or whatever is hiding from the cops. Camera guy doesn't duck. Cop looks right at him, doesn't see him, and like for, from then on, there's just not a camera guy anymore. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? How, this is a bit of a side subject, but how do you feel about cameras, camera moves like that in video games? Like Metal Gear, for example, a lot of it was just one big long shot, you know, and it's doing these yeah. unnatural... Do, do you like that? Or do you... I, I like... Do you think I there's like a joy in the do, edit? Yeah, I like when games do cool like camera stuff. I mean, the one that really, I mean, it's a fixed angle part of the game anyway. In Silent Hill 2, when you walk into a laundry room in the apartment building, the camera follows you in and then like drops and tilts in a really weird way. Uh, the, yeah. And then you walk out and it undoes the, like it. Like the Dutch angle. Yeah, thing. it's really cool. It's always interesting when games do like uh, rack focuses yeah. when it's like obviously not a camera, obviously but it yeah. takes so much grammar from film. But I think it's fine. When games do that, people are very like, games should be games. But films got their grammar from novels like D.W. Yeah. Griffith, yeah. a horrible racist, but he borrowed yeah. a lot of film language from Charles Dickens novels. And now we're borrowing some film syntax for video games. It's, it's I mean, fine. You look at God of War, like uh, all yeah. one take, basically. Yeah. You look at Tomb Raider, water and blood's hitting the damn camera all the time, and it's like, there's no camera. <laughs> <laughs> Man, when you think about it, the application of like music and sound in Silent Hill 2 was so good. Oh my God, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I, mean, I remember, yeah. I remember the, it was the first time He's in a like video legendary. game. Yeah. I think it was the first time in a video game, like, you know the bit where you first time you go from the street into that like apartment building and the sound just all disappears? Mm-hmm. I think that was the first time I ever in a video game just stopped. You know what I mean? It was like, what? You're like, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you are you are primed, you know, because of horror scores and stuff. When yeah. the music cuts out, something's going to happen, you know? That which was is really a, clever, a clever use because they, I, I think they knew that you would feel that way and you would... Which is it's all dark used in movies all the time, too. Exactly. I mean, we've kind of talked about it, too, but, like, that vacuum. It's done so often that it's you you now counter it. It's like, a language, yeah. Yeah, you now have the red herring scare, which is the... Da, 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 da. <sighs> Bang. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Yeah, and they turn around and then it's behind them. But then, like, do you think they'll they'll come a point where it, like you have to triple bluff it? Like, I was just thinking about that. Like, how do you subvert <sighs> subversion? <laughs> and, and then not it was, in a yeah. not in a Game of Thrones season eight kind of a way <laughs> where it's just bad. But uh, they kind of just forgot that they were there. I I don't like we were t- I was talking about this with Sophia the other day and like how J.J. Abrams is good at starting things and bad at finishing them, which is why I'm nervous about nine. But uh, he'll start a bunch of shows and then leave. Like, he wasn't there for the end of Lost, right? Like, why didn't the Game of Thrones guys do that? They clearly didn't want to do it anymore. But right. why did they insist on hanging out? Like, HBO was like, we want more seasons. We want more of this. Blah, blah, blah. Why like, didn't they why just change there's, a mis- there's a mystery of what happened. I'd love to know <sighs> at some Could point. Could they not change writers? Like, I, is that not a thing they were allowed to do? Or? I, oh, yeah, there was a lot of writers They were writing on them, it, them themselves. Yeah. I think it was just like a, they got cocky. Oh, right. They say I think HBO had even offered to let them do more yeah. episodes. They're like, and nah, they now we're no, good. We'll wrap six. it up in fewer. Yeah. I, I, I we think want that they got, Star Wars money. Honestly, well, yeah, they were they were 
tired of it and wanted to do Star Wars, and right. they didn't like they ran out of books, so they didn't know what to do. There's so many things behind the scenes and making shows and movies that happen that can ruin on, ruin yeah, it. And yeah. I don't want to oh, name yeah, any particular yeah. project that I've been on, but there's sometimes where people who have the money don't know how to do things creatively, but yeah. they get to say, and you kind of have to do it. You can only fight them so much before they kick you out. So. I mean, have, <laughs> yeah. have they ever made anything like original that was good between uh, them? Not really. I mean, if you look at their IMDb's, one of them has like nothing, and the other one has like Wolverine origins. Yeah, because it's like in in composing, you you have two different things. So like you have arrangers and you have composers. So like a composer is someone who creates things from scratch, right. and a good arranger is someone who takes like a little melody or just a motif and can create a whole thing from that. It seems like they're good arrangers. You know right. what I mean? They can take material and turn it into something really well. But when it comes to composing, when it comes to creating the original, and that's. That's kind of that's to, not their to skill both set. of these yeah. points. I think like J.J. Abrams and George Lucas is like the the prototypical one of right. this is like really amazing idea man, and if he's working on a constraint without a lot of money, yeah. comes out with some really good movies. But then if he has all the money and all the time, comes out with the prequel trilogies where it's just like yo hey things were better when you didn't <laughs> have infinite access to CG. Yeah, uh, restrictions <laughs> create creativity. Yes, they, they really do. Do you ever self-impose really restrictions on yourself? I, I, I am I am on a binge at the minute. I like the past few scores, not past few scores, past few cues I wrote are using sample libraries that are no what is it no younger than a year old. So like they they have to be at least a year old for me to use them because oh, okay. I tend to buy a lot of things and then never use them, you know? Like so I have so many like cool sounds I haven't even played with yet. But yeah, that's infinite uh, we, we, choices we, are we, death. We call that gas yeah. gear acquisition syndrome. <laughs> we yeah, the, the number of synths you need is yeah, yeah. the number you have plus one. Yeah. Yes, exactly that. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a great formula. <laughs> yeah, man. I've I'm done for now. I'm done for now. And then uh, Matrix Brute 2 comes out and it's got yeah. more buttons. And I wonder if Wendy Carlos is getting any of that yeah. synth money still. I hope so. I hope so. She's awesome. You should do and that. She one is time. still around. I want to. I want to meet her sometime. Sorry. Yeah, I was cool. telling him to bring his synths in for a show and tell. I'll oh, bring man. my bring him in here would be really a pain. We'll have a jam. Do, we'll do, 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 do a craft house. work. We'll do it in my house. <laughs> yeah, we jam it out. There's too many racks of stuff. I could bring the modular in. It's in a. It has a handle. They, they call that Euro crack for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> it's called, it's called so for, for those who don't know. It, modular system Euro is rack. like these little small things you buy and you plug them in, and then they add up to a big thing. But they're really addictive. Like once you start buying modular units for your synthesizer, you spend a lot of money. They're like two hundred. They're all like two or three hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, like and you end entry up, level. Entry so like a, a entry level box. Some are like a hundred, but that's like as cheap as they get. And they're really confusing to use. But they're yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the name of them is Euro track, and people renamed it Euro crack. So. Yeah. That was just a really niche joke that I don't think your, oh, no, I got <laughs> your viewers would have got. Eurorack is definitely, definitely yeah, yeah. Eurocrack. Uh, it's pretty nuts, though. But it's fun because you can build your own synth to a very specific purpose. And the good thing about modular synths is they can make sounds that normal synths can't. Yeah. Because they're, they're all about plugging things that aren't. It's like plugging the output of that into the input of that. So, like, the speed of that thing controls yeah. how CV, fast that thing's CV closing. Control <laughs> voltage all over the place. It's whatever. Uh. Pacing <laughs> is good. Michelle Jackson. Like synth education. Uh, reflect. Uh, talking about feelings instead of whatever. Feelings. Uh, you actually said this before. Michelle Jackson said something you said that um, music showing the feelings of a character is good instead of showing like what you want the audience to feel or it, what you think the scene should be yeah, telling you. It's, it's perspective. It's like, so whose story are you following? Like if you're following a singular character 
and let's say that they go to a birthday party, but they've their girlfriend's just broken up with them. Right. You wouldn't play the happy birthday music. You know what I mean? Unless you're trying to do a juxtaposition. Juxtapos- yeah. If you're following this character, this character's emotionally feeling bad. And the point of music there is to show that even though they're in this happy situation, this is how they feel. Right. Because you can't show that unless they're either crying or going, I feel really sad. You know? <laughs> like that You can't they, have your characters announce how they feel. But that, that makes me feel angry. But that's exactly that, that's what I mean by music. That's saying that's the music saying something that you can't otherwise do in a non awkward way. You know what I mean? You can't. <laughs> Just readjusting. I was like <laughs> Uh, subconsciously arranging this passion of Joan of Arc you know you want one it's so good Uh, okay here's something I just thought would be fun to talk about with you guys Uh, and that's self plagiarization Uh, the the one that comes to mind of course is James Horner because it's in every one of his movies but that's just his like Jason Derulo right yeah it's his you need a tag a lot of sound producers and hip hop albums Mr. Worldwide yeah but it is. It's funny Shut because it's like he did it in every single one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in self plagiarization. That's a weird term to use. I mean, I think you can play out something, and people, your audience, might want you to move on. But plagiarizing from yourself, I mean, I feel like a lot of filmmakers have one subject that they revisit. Like Paul Thomas Anderson is all about Grumpy Dad, and what do you do with Grumpy Dad, (laughs) and why? Why are there? Why is Grumpy Dad ruining the world? But that's okay. I'll see him do every single variation on that theme he wants to. Yeah, and some composers are the same way. I mean, like. Other than the fact that like you can only really do what you know, so it's always going right. to have a certain degree of you're always familiarity. Yeah, familiarity. You, you're not going to be unless like you're intentionally doing like different right. genres. I always feel like I I always think there's more to music or something. Like if I can be a bit wanky for a second, but like if you ever notice like how every composer always feels like there's a song or a feeling in their head that they're trying to express, and every score they do is like a different attempt. Right, and they never getting, get it. Get, yeah, exactly. Like if you put a few John Williams scores together, they all have like they don't sound the same, but they have like a similar vibe. Like he's trying to achieve the same thing you know like and so i feel like every composer's got like that one perfect song yeah and every score they ever do is them trying to circle in around it like, yeah, i saw yeah. i saw this video today that blew my mind it was i think it was all of beethoven's symphonies played at the same time oh, like wow. over the top of each other and there is actually moments of like coherence you know like and that like you could say well maybe he's plagiarized like the chord progressions right. fall perfectly in alignment the rhythms fall in alignment the, but it's like this is just what sounded good to beethoven yeah and, and this is, but when you play it together it almost sounds like the, the cacophony of it it almost sounds like he was writing one piece his old his whole life it, at certain points you're like it feels like this symphony was this section to this song you know like yeah. that whole like the whole fifth symphony da, 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 that whole thing was just to fill this gap in this <laughs> when you stack that's a them. very cool theory. It, that, no, that, that plays a, into my point of like oh. everyone has that moment, you know, that right, thing in their head. Right. So like maybe uh, like someone should put all John Williams scores or Hans's together and see if there's any moments of coherence yeah. and just snip them out. Because those moments of, co- of coherence, it's like, you know when you sit in traffic and you see like four cars blinkers in front of you and then there's that they one moment where they all up line up. Yeah. yeah, it does that to a degree. So there's moments where it's like, what the fuck's very going on? But it's, yeah, like I feel like there's to a degree. It's there's, uh, do you know Nils Fram? No. The, uh, he's a you'd probably dig him he's a composer uh, you know musician Doesn't uh, he's done like one or two movies I think right. Victoria or something but um, I really love him he's really cool uh, but he does some synth stuff a lot of piano stuff um, but his r- most recent album is called All Melody and I every time I hear the song there's a song on the album also called All Melody and every time I hear it 
it and I haven't tested this yet, and maybe someone on the internet has already done this, but like I always had a theory that all melody is actually a harmony to a previous song that he did called right. Says. And I always want to like put them together, oh, but yeah, I yeah. always forget. <laughs> that's, that's, and I'm sure it's not, but it just makes me remind I've, I've, I've done that before in cues. Like, oh, I, really? Like, I've had an idea, and I'm like, what would, like, sometimes writer's block happens to everyone. It's like, what happens if I just load up that song and come up with a new, like, a new section for it, you know? And then, like, what usually happens is like a new melody or a new vibe, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't work with that, but that idea could be that a, was yeah. born from this, I can now drop over here. Like, that does happen, like, this kind of, like, you call it plagiarizing, but this kind of self. It's, it's your subconscious. So like whenever you listen to a thing, whenever you have an emotional response to something, your subconscious remembers it. It's a survival mechanism. You yeah. know, like that was a good thing. That's not dangerous. I'll remember that. So next time you see it. And then over time, all these like subconscious things build up in your mind. So when you write, you're, you're like, I want the music to feel safe and comfortable. You're like your brain. You're not thinking of that moment, but your brain remembers what it feels. And sometimes like that subconsciously works into the score. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting the way that like as composers, we kind of pull from all these like little these little cool things, like what I was saying with the MGO thing, just pulling these little elements and yeah. dropping them in. Most well, scores are written like that. And yeah, and like I think Nothing. that you go you go to a person because you want, by and large, you want like that person's take. Like you go yeah. to John Williams because you want horns and whatever. You go to Hans Zimmer because you want, you know, right. his style. And like that happens for a reason because that person has their point of view and they're always going to write their own like, their music. Yeah, yeah, like. I mean, like I was going to say, you wouldn't hire Hans Zimmer for like a romantic, but you would. Like Hans Zimmer is one right. of those like does everything. But, but you yeah, wouldn't. You wouldn't. I know what you mean. You wouldn't hire Hans Zimmer to be Goblin. Mm-mm. He's not a summer goth, right? Yeah. He's yeah. he's like a just like a, a math goth. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what kind of goth he is. It's it's like you wouldn't hire. We should would, categorize all people as just different, different types of goths. goths. Yeah, yeah. Hans Zimmer is like, math goth. It's math like you, goth. you wouldn't hire Lady Gaga to sing a metal song uh, unless it was something weird. Like unless that. no, but I mean the specific <laughs> the specific way it's done. You know, like you wouldn't yeah. get her to scream and shout because she's an amazing singer, right. amazing musicians. They're both music, they're both singing, but it's different. So I like composing, a, like Hans, Hans, like most most big composers can do anything. Yeah, like, you can do, yeah. but like. When you're talking like most general projects where someone has a thing that they're good at, right. you know, you probably like Danny hunt. Elfman is like he does Danny Elfman when he he's Danny with, Elfman, with yeah. when he's with Tim Burton. But then like if you look at look look up Danny Elfman's IMDb page at home, <laughs> right. listeners, uh, and like he's probably done the soundtrack to like thirty movies you didn't realize Danny Elfman did right. the soundtrack to. Like he did like The Firm. Right. Or whatever, and it, like, oh, the Tom sound- Cruise movie. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the Firm or like Pelican Breed or like, some boring like yeah. lawyer movie. Uh, you know, not boring is fine, but like you know, he does like all these other like way more run of the mill. They, they all do. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. If you but go down the yeah. IMDb page of any of them, they're yeah, all like millions, like uh, documentaries from like BBC and <laughs> you know like, yeah, all these yeah. weird things. And some of them are still recent. You know, it's just that like. The only ones you ever really hear about are the ones that hit press and you know, like mm. press you have to do a whole press thing if you want to get like a soundtrack out there these days, you know. So you just can't <laughs> do it to all of them. I mean, some of these guys do you know, tens of scores in a year. Yeah. Danny Elfman should release a Forest Goth collection because that's my favorite sound of his. Yeah. Yeah. I I Beach Goth. <laughs> Team Beach Goth. <laughs> the uh, final question that I asked the patrons very serious question. I said, Can a, can a score be good if it doesn't have synths in it? Only rarely. Rarely. If you look at the, if we counted these, probably eighty percent or sense. Richard Flowers says, "I'll lean into it." No, and in fact, actors' cameras, blocking, and moving sets should only be directed with MIDI controllers from here on. Just hyperbole. Since they're very in right now, they're gonna fall out again. They'll uh, never fall out. 
No, I not disagree. to us. Oh, okay. Not to us. Not to the synth gods. I don't think We're going to keep the hope alive. Um, but, yeah. but, like, the, the fun thing is, particularly as a composer, I mean, like, is, it's... It, so when technology was, ha- you know, when computers and stuff were happening, as an as a st- a, a organic musician, you know, like a cello string, you could see the potential of the technology as something that didn't exist. Now that we have computers and we can literally create any sound, like, I'm always curious, is there going to be another moment where we're going to be like, oh, we can do that? You know? Right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I, like you say that synths will go out of fashion. I don't think they ever will. I think they'll be different. Like, they'll come up with new concepts. But I don't think... It's, it's, it's a new the technology. Because you, you, like, you have to think yeah. like strings, yeah. for example. At the time, they were technology. That is yeah. mm-hmm. that is technology. And think how long that lasted be- before yeah. we came up. Like if you explained a computer to the people writing back then, you know, in the classical era, that it would be magic. So They'd for, burn you as for a something witch. new, like for synths to go out of fashion, something new that we literally can't even think of right now would have to come along, I think. That would be fun. It, it would have to be a technology that completely supersedes. It's like Ali G. What, what if synths, but better? Synths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I definitely think think what to, to your point kind of is like the like survive kind of stranger things vibe is definitely going to hit oh, maximum it's capacity. about to, it's about to go on its way out even though yeah. i love it i, I mean, love, love it that's thing, my favorite right. sound but like, it's about to go out of vibe is definitely going to shift into yeah. things, as, as a novelty like, i know yeah, what you mean but the like, 80s <laughs> but yeah, yeah. my it'll my, cycle back around when we're 70 and yeah then we'll be back in but my mog one was definitely a great purchase yeah. uh speaking of mog rob bob will has a little quote for us. Go for it. A score can be good without synths, but it cannot be great. Consequently, a score with synths cannot possibly be bad. Ever been bad synths. We scores. all know is <laughs> Moog's <laughs> second law of synths. My, my favorite synth quote, I, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't remember exactly, was from Hans. And he said, uh, when, when, I was, when I was younger, I had enough money for either a synth or a car. Mm. And he says, I still can't drive to this day, but the synth bought me my car. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. The synth I bought can bu- now buy me as many cars as I want or something like that. He made know? the right choice. He definitely made the right choice. That's, <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Oh, we've said it a few times, but Space Dom wanted to know if Van- Vangelis is pronounced like a J or a hard G. Is the G pronounced... While we're on Vangelis. Vangelis or Vangelis? Vin- However you pronounce his name. Vangelis. Antarctica is a Van- Vangelis deep cut, but I like it is way it better than Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, it's for a movie called oh. Antarctica. I've never seen it, but so much better than the rest of his music catalog. I highly recommend it. Antarctica. Did you, did you Sorry, just wait. walk past it and was like, I'll, I'll take it? Yes, but, actually, because I, like I, I was collecting a lot of Vangelis scores. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The art on this album, is, so it says Antarctica all big up here, and then it has Antarctica... And there's a target zooming in on it, and it just says the South Pole. Right? Yeah, it's like in case it's evocative you didn't know of something. What we were yeah. talking about. I almost uh, don't want to see the movie because I've made intrigue. the own movie in my mind. Yeah. What's the movie in your mind? Uh, it is about a person coming to terms with the iceberg in themselves. Whoa. Yeah. What's Man, the soundtrack sound like? So, something about the target gives it like a cheesy 90s, like the bad guys in the yeah. South Pole. It does. Like it does. Years in it kind of sounds like if Chariots of Fire weren't. Overplayed and cheesy, sure. Like a little more scaled back. Chariots oh, okay, yeah. A little more contemplative. Chariots of Fire is definitely one of those where I'm like, this song is really good and I hate it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Have you ever seen his synths out? Like that probably like bought him a bunch of cars though. Yeah. Chariots of Fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Watch a video. He has like these old mechanical like things, like clunk. Like oh, they look bonkers. really satisfying. And then like now his thing is strings, and then he clunks this other machine, and now it's playing <laughs> something. <else>. I, <laughs> I love like, a good. I love a good like. Here are my synths, or here are my instruments. Oh man, I can't remember if it's Cliff Martinez or Clint Mansell did a video about like a glass. Uh, I don't even remember the name of it. It's called like a glassio 
peed or something. It, whatever. It's glassy like peed. Whatever. But <laughs> it like plays glassy, these weird like glass ju- like cones. I don't remember. How, Cliff Martinez's is is drive, right? The drive soundtrack? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think is the so. glass rotating while he does it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I forget what it's. Oh, what's it called? It's like a like a glass of phone or something. Yeah, that's wa- probably. Not it. A water phone. Oh, phone is probably in a there. A water phone is one of those metal things that you scrape, but like mm-hmm. uh, they have this thing, and it's actually on the, you know, uh, I think it is anyway. You know, Harry Potter, the Hedwig. Dun, 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 yeah. And there's that sound in the background. It's like, like yeah. crystal. Ooh. It's that kind of sound. Yeah. So what it does is, you know, like uh, glasses, uh, like a wine glass. Yeah, you yeah. Lift your finger yeah, and yeah, do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Well, someone someone essentially like turned the whole thing on its side and put it on a rotor so it's always spinning so you don't have to move your uh, finger up. So you lick your finger. Well, they have water. You dip your finger and you can actually polyphonically yeah. so multiple notes play chords on this That's thing. That's cool. It's, it's almost like theremin sound. Yeah, yeah. But, but next time you listen to Hedwig's theme, listen under the chalice, which is like that bell, like doom, doom, did it. You'll hear like this thing kind of that's cool and it's yeah I've always wanted to learn theremin, but I hear it's so difficult. Right? Yes, yeah, so it's a very ther- challenging. Theremin is is uh, like intensity so like you put your hand in and that's like uh-huh. off and then the further out you pull it the right. louder yeah. and then the hot like the closer you get the higher so like a vibrato would be like Doo. i've seen some Good amazing performances oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah they're amazing uh, <laughs> look like that looks like a little dance <laughs> <laughs> like a dance my in the club yeah, yeah. You know, like the come on eileen comes on my uh what? cliff martinez did the soundtrack to uh, a little known soderbergh joint called kafka is it about Kafka? Yeah, starring Jeremy Irons as Franz <gasps> Kafka. Jeremy it's hard Irons. to get. This movie, you literally, when I was a kid, you literally could not get it in America on DVD. And what, what year is it? Is it like prime hot Jeremy Irons? Because young Jeremy Irons <laughs> is a yeah, whole meal unto is, himself. Is the iron hot? <laughs> you made like a blacksmithing joke yeah. unintentionally. <laughs> is the iron still hot? Uh, Kafka, 91, yeah. Early 90s. But it's black and white for most of the movie. But, uh... The, the theme song of this movie made me fall in love with kind of dulcimer-style instruments. Ah. I have a hammer dulcimer now because of that. You recorded that. Yeah. That's in a, that's in a movie. To, that's in Truth or Death. That's in Truth or Death. I brought my dulcimer over to his house, and we like were there for a few hours like just hitting it with like pens and like running a bow over it instead. It was a lot of yeah. fun. And I was helping my, I was helping my friend. Did it make it into the cut? It, well, yeah. I haven't I was, seen that movie. I was helping my friend uh, Matt Margison, who uh, is a, a composer. He was doing a film called Truth or Death. And yeah, so we recorded all that. We, I've, sorry, just a quick funny story. It just cracks me up every time. So this was like one of my one of my first like Hollywood things that I like got a full credit for additional music on or whatever. So we recorded all, and they did end up in there. Great textures, nice. you know. We stretched them out. <laughs> so I went to see the film with my wife. I'll have to go see this movie. And we watched it like like Third Street, Santa Monica. Like this. Anyway, so we we watched it like a, the weekend after it had come out, and we said we watched it the whole movie. And I'm really excited. And the lights come on, everybody stands up, and this couple next to me, the guy turns to his girlfriend and goes, well, that was shit, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I heard it just, wasn't great. Just, and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> after all that, what, just a, like, what a bummer. But he didn't come on the music. No, okay. The he didn't movie go could be bad, but the music could be great. If he'd have gone, especially the... Yeah, especially the fucking additional soundtrack The additional music. The, the, the actual music was fine. Yeah. It was great. The additional The score. additional music was... It was lacking. Those was comments lacking. always stab me. Like, the oh, first yeah. time I did... I, when I started out in video game journalism, I did an interview with Igarashi, the guy who did Symphony of the Night, yeah. a bunch of Castlevanias. And I did some of the interview in Japanese and translated, and I was really proud of it, and I talked about some really interesting shit. First comment when I put the article up on Destructoid was... 
this interview was ass IMHO. And I was like, ah, oh, my life has no purpose. There's going to be one person in the comments here who's going to give me something mean. And I promise you I will read it. And I promise you, you will no, hurt me. No, these people are lovely. <laughs> Actually, they're, they're no. very nice. They're usually they're very pretty nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. Just like random aside note, you know, you know, like the trend at the minute, Facebook making yourself look old. Oh, yeah. Like just on that, I posted like a normal picture of myself today. And someone was like, oh, man, you, oh, it, it man. does you make the you look old. old. Face. Like, <laughs> Dude. I was like, wow. You know, you're saying you look dignified. That was probably it. No, no, you they were like, they were like dude, why do you look like 50? <laughs> <laughs> Are you using the, the app? It was the lighting. It, it probably was. Uh, Ooh, I see something fun on that screen. Yeah, so this one comes up. Last question. This one comes up a lot. Is that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies have bland music. Disagree. You uh, disagree. Okay, okay, okay. They have good, they have a couple of good themes. They have a good they have good themes. Okay, so this goes but by back, and large, it's kind of it goes back to whether or not you think um, like a, a soundtrack needs to exist outside of the right. You know, you know what I mean? Because it's as film music, it's brilliant. Like when I was watching the film, I you know like the big action sequences, I was thrilled. In the emotional sequences, I was sad. So the music was doing its job. It's not badly done music, but it may not work as well outside of the right. like the it's moment not flashy. Like the the moment, the big moment at the end of Endgame that you you know not mm-hmm. not the the final final moment, but yeah. leading up to yeah, that. Yeah. When that theme comes in over that, you can't. Oh, yeah. You can't. No one can sit there and I've say got it's got bland music. Right now. Just thinking about that moment when it's like. And then. Bah, 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 and then the pregnant pause. And the pregnant pause in the dialogue. You know. Yeah. So, you know. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that is that is that is it working perfectly? So. Yes, like, but that's the thing. Does it have to be memorable? Because I know that in that moment, like, you know, you you feel like you're not going to cry, but you feel like all the emotion, you know, that like you feel it. And that to me is good music. Like, it doesn't matter if you can't remember it after the fact as much unless, but and again, that's what I'm saying. Like with the, co- you, if you have the context for it, regardless of what it will sound like, you will like it. Like people will go watch an Avengers soundtrack being played live. Even if they don't recognize the music, it will feel right. And they'll be like, oh, this must be like an action sequence. It might have been yeah. when Thanos was doing this, you know, like, so it's, it, you get to relive it through the music that way, because, you know, if it's very specific, if it's very Mickey Mousey, it's like, you might as well just watch the fucking thing again. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like if it's hitting the cut, you know, it's like, yeah. just watch it with the pictures. It's clearly trying to do something specific. Right. But then you have other films like, um, like John Powell's my favorite for themes, you know, like uh, How to Train Your Dragon or mm. Shrek. Da, 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 yeah, you know, Shrek's very, got a great theme. Great themes, you know. They're they're great examples. Oh god, they're, they're great examples <laughs> of like melodic stuff, uh, you know, done well for a film. But uh, with with Avengers particularly, there's so many themes and stories to interweave. I feel like it actually, like like you said, the Black Panther thing. Yeah. In in Endgame, that must or, uh, uh, Infinity War, that must play for like five seconds. Yeah, it, yeah, it, and everyone's like. Wah! But you know what I mean? That's a whole film setting up that theme. So right. those five seconds. But if you listen to that track after the fact, there's just going to be a random five seconds of Black Panther. You know what I mean? That doesn't make for particularly right, right, interesting right. music. Yeah, right. But when you're watching it in the scene, you're like, holy fuck. You know, yeah. like, so it, to me, it doesn't have to be memorable or anything. Sorry, I've really gone into this. Question. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm really I'm leaning into it. into it. But yeah, so I, I feel like it doesn't matter too much. You know, I, I, I feel I like people, agree, I, I mean. feel like in general, people get too into things yeah. <laughs> in general. Yeah, I think most, I mean, yeah. Life gives you perspective sometimes, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. most people are worried about things that don't matter. That just do not matter, yeah. <laughs> instead it, of, usually at the end of this show, we do something called the quote challenge. Are we not doing it? Because I love it. I have, have something, one? yeah. Okay, yeah, if you yeah. have well, one, lock them up. Well, I was show. just going to say, show us the rest of these records. Oh, man. But let's do both. Okay. You feed us a quote. Normally, we we come up with a quote and see if the other people can guess what movie it's from. 
I always do it too obscure because I have no barometer for what's obscure or not. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. I have that problem sometimes. Um, but I'm gonna do something that we talked about today. Okay. Okay. So here's the quote: Just between you and me, we've got a serious problem with the people taking care of the place. They turned out to be completely irresponsible assholes. I knew it was gonna end with assholes. And it's something we talked about today. Something we talked about today. I'm going to graduate to another quote. Is that cool? Just to, <laughs> give, to give you more of a hint. Oh, from the same, same movie. Same movie. Okay, okay. Here's the five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm it's caused me. I have seen this. Man, I bet I, you I, have. I, I bet I'm, you've seen this too. I bet every, most people have seen this. Oh, damn it. I'm not looking at it. Okay. Light of my life, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. It's a little dark, but that should give you the movie. Ugh. Ugh. I don't know. What is it? Here's Johnny. Oh, Shining. Oh. Yeah, The Shining. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Since we were on a Wendy Carlos yeah, yeah, yeah. Shining trip earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I, I got a quote from a movie. Do it, do it. Do it. Okay, but it, I, it, it's obscure, but it's one we've mentioned, okay? Uh, it's a short one, and it's dialogue between two people. We make out as best we can, as best we could. <laughs> That's the other person it. saying two it Two people. Yeah. Hmm. We, you know, we make out as best we can. As oh, there's best an accent. We could. Oh, there's oh. an accent. Okay. I have no what idea. What is it? Man on Fire. Ah. It's that's, been too that's, long since I've seen that one. So that's the bit. There's a, uh, there's a, the, the leader, well, the, the policeman, well, he's, he's in, what, what would you call it? Uh, hostage negotiator. Like a policeman, a corrupt policeman. He's got him tied to the car, you know, because he uh-huh. found out he's in the thing. And he's got a bomb and he's going to put it up his bum. And the guy's like, come on, you know, leave us alone. We, we, make out, we make out as best we can. You know, we do what we can. He's like, as best you could. And then he's like, <laughs> gives him a medical. My father-in-law loves that movie. I have not seen, I had not seen Man on Fire. He sat me down and made me watch it with him. But he kept rewinding parts <laughs> that he loved right. to show me in the middle of the movie. It took four hours oh my to God. watch Man on Matt, Fire. On the trajectory of your <laughs> story. <laughs> but the, I love that dude, so I watched the whole thing with him. <laughs> with the trajectory of your stories today, I thought you were going to say he was in it. Like, <laughs> Oh, no, no, he's not. I bet he wished he, he was. was Denzel yeah. Washington. Like. If I recall, they shot that one with like hand-cranked cameras sometimes. Uh, it's really cool. Oh. They shot it in Mexico. I know that, like in the behind the scenes, to give they were it talking the kind about, of like yeah, to give it that kind chaotic, of like, and like when things thing, were really yeah. excited, they exciting, they they had a Speed higher frame rate. Oh wow, I didn't know. Yeah, that. great film. You got a quote? Uh, yeah, he just made me think of one. It is easy. You're a policeman. There are rules for policemen. Give us a clue. I have no, idea. Uh, no more table. <laughs> That's also from the same movie, yeah. No More Table? <laughs> yeah. No More Table. Did we talk about this movie this evening, or is this just a... Or policemen long? have rules. Um, I don't want actual things. I want the quote. I'm just making sure. But um, I'm lost on this. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't yeah, even yeah. have a familiar ring to it yet. Die Hard. Die Hard. Damn, I should know it's that. Is that, he, is that like, Gruber he's then? Point, he's yeah. Point, uh, he's pointing the gun at the blonde guy, and he's like, "I'm gonna shoot you." And he's like, "You're a policeman." Do you mind if I tell you this antidote related to Die Hard? Yeah. Okay, I'm so excited you brought this up because I have a podcast devoted to the movie Speed. Yeah. It's called Better, Better Than, Than Speed. Speed. The director of Speed, Jan DeBont, was also the cinematographer for Die Hard. And on Speed's 25th anniversary, he invited me up to his house to go hang out with him, and he told me all kinds of crazy stories about working on Die Hard and Speed. And I was out of I was out of my mind. I was so happy. It was like the funniest occasion. And he was sitting there claiming to us when we interviewed him that 
speeds better than Casablanca and Citizen <laughs> Kane and Seven Samurai. He said he, he thought it was one of Where's the best the movies in the world. Where's yeah, the yeah. it was so great. Jan Debont, love him, but he had some crazy stories about Die Hard. So oh, if you want to hear them, what is this better life? than Speed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's just, what I was thinking yeah, when I was there. Yeah, 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 it was so fun. Who are you, dude? But Jan Debont. Very charming guy and an amazing cinematographer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. His stuff is top notch. Yeah. All right. Let's look at the rest of these albums because some of these are really cool. I, got... I've hit the filth oh, under the thing. Thank you for oh, indulging me. Okay. So no no more dirty pictures. We've got Blue Velvet. Okay. Yeah. This Classic. is Angelo Badalamente. Did yeah. I say that right? I'm not good at Italian. I usually say Badalamente. He also is a badass, so I call him Badalamente. Yeah. Uh, he did Twin Peaks also. Oh. Uh, amazing score. Amazing composer. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh shit! This is also on Twin Peaks. This yeah. is the band Juju, who yeah. covered. They're like a Ryan indie Stevens rock. Yeah, Ryan Stevens. Stevens. Yeah. I saw with Ryan Stevens, uh, Juju cover all of the Twin Peaks soundtrack live Isn't in that a what this is? in a Mason in a Masonic cemetery. I've always thought yeah, yeah. Shushu. Maybe it's Shushu. I don't know. It's X I U X. I don't know. They make good music. I don't know how to pronounce anything. Uh, oh, this one. We didn't get into. Right. Of course, we have to talk about Johnny Greenwood, yeah. who does amazing scores for Paul Thomas Anderson films. He did The Master. Oh, I thought that that was. Um, there was a fish in the percolator. Uh, What's yeah, his kinda, name? Uh, what is his name from Twin Peaks? Yeah. But anyway, he did There Will Be Blood, The Master. He's from Radiohead. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, he recently great. did. Uh, you, did were really, you were never really. You were never really there. Oh, you were never really that. here. Joaquin Phoenix good? movie. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Um, the ones we've talked about over here. Dario Argento did uh, a movie called Opera. I've never seen Opera. This has Brian Eno on the soundtrack, oh, along wow. with Goblin, combined together. Oh, my lord. Yeah, god. what a cool combo. I've heard that Brian Eno does a monthly thing where he improvises music at the same theater that does Improv Shakespeare. Oh, um, shit, and you can hear it live? And he, you just sit there and watch him improvise stuff for like an hour and a half. I've never gone, but it sounds amazing. Firestarter. Uh, Stephen King movie with Drew Barrymore uh, but Tangerine Dream does the soundtrack what we're talking about since Tangerine yeah, yeah. Dream is oh, incredible yeah. since they, for days they did uh, Near Dark the vampire movie mm -hmm. uh, they did what else did they do they did Legend the uh, yeah, Tom yeah, yeah, Cruise yeah. the first uh, Ridley Scott movie yeah exactly and their music's incredible yeah. like every album by them you can't go wrong just pick one random at a record store you'll eat it up close, close your eyes Oh yeah, this it's is more dirty music. Erotica. This is more uh, Italian <laughs> I'm dirty not music. Off by it. it doesn't uh, have any images on anything. it. Some of this stuff is amazing. There's a song <laughs> I use on here for my podcast, which is about um, is outer space. Yeah, it's a uh, outer space theme for a movie called Space Devils. It's really cool, but it's spaghetti western mixed with erotica, mixed with sci-fi. It's, a, now it's you're so my good. Language. Such a good pickup. Oh, we didn't talk about. Po now I'm getting so excited. You have to calm this me down. This is great. No, go ahead. Um, so I want to see how far this road this goes. This one's signed. This is, uh, yeah, this the is. The next one's signed. This is uh, for the Herzog uh, the, the Nosferatu. Shot for shot remake. This is, uh, I'm not sure if it's shot for shot. Is it shot Nearly, for shot? Nearly, I thought. It, it could he, he be. He did a lot he of does, iconic shots. Yeah. Um, he has this like band that he usually in. works with, a German mystic band called Popol Vuh. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing them correctly. He uses a lot of sitar, a lot of like transcendent acid trippy music. Uh -huh. And you wouldn't think of pairing that with Nosferatu. But it's beautiful. It makes the movie feel really Nosferatu. ethereal. Yeah, that was a cool yeah. movie. And the art on this is so cool. Like, uh, it looks like oh, it opens with a cool gate, I think, with a uh, uh, rats taking over, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because this oh. movie, the Herzog uh, Nosferatu, has a lot of rats taking it. There's like a thousand rats in one of the scenes, anyway. Cool, really, really cool. Love <laughs> hey, rats. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, I was having... this is uh, <laughs> one of the best musicians I've ever come across in my entire life, 
Fabio Fritzi. He did a lot of Italian horror soundtracks. If you like Goblin, even better than Goblin. He worked on a lot of... Better uh, than Goblin? Better than Goblin. He did a lot of Fulci movies, including The Beyond. He did the soundtrack for a movie called Zombie, where a shark fights a zombie underwater. Dope. And the music is really like spooky, organ, synthy shit. Oh my God. And it's so, so good. I met him when he came to a screening of the movie that he did a live score to. Uh, It was amazing. LA is a good place to live. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to see all your heroes. Yeah, move I, here and they'll come like through. On, on the random day. sign things, uh, like I got, um, I got a signed CD once from uh, Lorne Balfe, who does the music on Assassin's Creed. And oh, he, that's and, cool. And he wrote on it. It was like a competition, you know. I forget what it was. It was like follow him on Twitter or something. Uh-huh. And I thought, you know, like I, I knew him already because of the, the Hans thing. Anyway, and he wrote on it. It was so sweet. He wrote on it like, you'll probably be writing music for these games one day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you are. And then like, yeah. I'm not yet. But like, like games in general. Games yeah, yeah. in general, yeah. 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 You, wrote, you wrote a uh, kind of, you sent me a. Uh, yeah, I like, like so, a so one of the fun theoretical things. Theoretical Assassin's Creed song. Yeah, every now and again, like if there's, if there's a project that I'm into, like I'll write a song, like a theme or something. You know, like how an artist will draw like a fan piece. Like I'll write a fan piece. I've done a load of it. I'm a, I'd love to work on Assassin's Creed. Yeah, this one's nasty. Man. Yeah, you know all these records are colored. We haven't Show, pulled any of them out, but they're like uh, crazy red and yellow. Uh, that's what I Mondo, love about this. I have the Mondo vinyl for. To flip it over. The, the, the cat one is more disturbing oh, than the yeah. human face. Yeah. So, and, and Silent Hill too. Someone sent me that. The Mondo. That's more Fabio Fritzi, the oh, Italian okay. composer. Are you a fan Fulci. of the? Um, are you a fan of the Silent Hill music here? Uh, yeah, I like. I like the more like the calmer stuff than the like. Do you like the song type stuff? What the songs? So, you know, like in Silent Hill, he does songs like with the. With I the... like the other stuff better. Oh, okay, yeah, because th- he did a he did an album of music like oh, just yeah, outside yeah. of Silent Hill that's like horror themed. I think I listened to it. Yeah, I've got it on CD. I'll. I'll let you, if you haven't heard it, I'll send it to you. Uh, Shogun Assassin. I have to talk about Shogun Assassin because yeah, this do. is the Lone Wolf and Cub films. Oh. But Andy Warhol had them recut and he grabbed from a bunch of different movies and cut it into like a 90 minute single movie called, and he renamed it Shogun Assassin and put a synth soundtrack to it. Wow. Um, composed by Michael Lewis. Uh, it's uh, very cool. It feels like the synthy Stranger Things stuff, but you're seeing a bunch of like Japanese martial oh, arts action in the in the movie. Man, yeah, cool. it it's in one of those scores that remakes the movie and makes you look at it a different way. Fans of old Japanese film don't really like it. They consider like the movie a bastardization because yeah. it cuts up things from different movies. I think it shows some of the cooler parts. It makes it more <laughs> exciting. Man, I so. hope I hope if vinyl in general gets a bigger resurgence for film music, they they should really use the opportunity to do like the behind the scenes pictures and stuff. You know, oh, like, with yeah. the with the art. Like I'd love to see that being recorded because that one was recorded in Hollywood. It says on the back. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to just see that session. You know. Yeah. Mike Oldfield, The Killing Fields. This is a movie about Cambodia. Yeah, my friend is in Cambodia right now. Oh, wow. He just went to The Killing Fields. So, yeah, that's about the genocide that happened in uh, Cambodia, one of, like, history's biggest tragedies. So I think that's a big challenge to compose something like that. (laughs) Because how do you, like, you want to communicate the horror of what happened, but how do you do it without making it overwrought? you You have to give the perspective. It's like... Yes, it's disturbing, but if you go in like a horror movie, you're doing it a disrespect. Like you have to, you have to show like what it means. So, uh, you know, like, what does it feel for this person? What are they feeling? It's this. It, you know, you need to feel distraught. You need the music to feel like again, like longing. You need it to feel like 
it wants to be safe. So it's sad music, you know? Well, actually... That's how, how you would... This you one would. goes kind of like off track wow. and makes it scary. And it sounds like yeah. right when a lot of people are trying to escape from Cambodia, it starts hitting with like screechy synth keyboard stuff. So it's like a literal And it's definitely like... A, yeah. It's almost like counter-programming. You wouldn't expect it because a lot of times these movies sort of do like... We talked about this briefly. Sort, sort of, of cultural appropriation it, yeah. or like, ooh, here's a little bit of local music, but we did our Western flair on it. And that always kind of feels off to me I, I i think it actually works again remember what i was saying earlier about like the uh, the scene in back to the future where you just don't have the context for it the problem is with a lot of ethnic music as ethnic music the ear particularly for western people they don't listen like let's say like hindi music you know like or indian music stuff like this you know you, you know what it sounds like now because we've kind of but if, if you would just play that in a score with with no western uh like clues as to how you're supposed to feel, you would be completely. You wouldn't lost. have the grounds yeah. interpreted. That's so, a good point. So yeah. when when you have this score, it's less about like I'm gonna culturally appropriate this and throw my Western thing. It's more like no, I. We have a language. Like you have to think of music yeah. as, as a language. Like people in the West speak Western music. Da, 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 they speak da, 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 Western music. Yeah. They understand it. So if you play something from somewhere else that they don't understand. You can't. It's you kind don't of, have the tools it's, to interpret it's, it's kind it. It's kind yeah. of like kind of like a dictionary. You kind of hold up the ethnic thing, and then you play with the Western thing how you want it to feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So like, here's here's an ethnic thing, and it's supposed to feel sad. So you play the Western sad thing to contextualize right. this, so that when you play this again, you know that that means sad because you played it with the sad. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like you have to contextualize it for Western ears. When Otherwise, I, you just don't get it. When I lived in Chicago, I was in a Georgian folk music uh, <laughs> right. folk choir. Uh, Georgia the country uh, and because uh, the old the director of my college acapella group uh, just fell in love with Georgian folk music so I was in this Georgian folk choir and it was really interesting learning experience because they basically use like a different scale or they have like mm. flat flats and sharp sharps and stuff and so like you, you're singing like between the notes of a piano yeah. and like some of the songs that we would do like he would make sure to like explain beforehand. He's like, to in the Western scale, this is gonna sound dissonant or wrong or pitchy or uh, pitchy, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's not like that's very specific notes that we're doing. And like, so it's like yeah. once you get used to it, you're like, oh, this is beautiful. But at first, you're like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we have a thing that's called equal temperament. So like, all mm, all our yeah. all our uh, notes are mathematically tuned to yeah. four forty hertz. Yeah. yeah, you can actually detune that. Like people say, there's like healing benefits to four right. three two hertz. Yeah. Or singers in the olden days in like. Like, you know, like how people say like D minor is a sad sounding key. It's because back in the day before we had equal temperament, like it was a bit more pitchy and D minor did actually sound more longing. Oh, <laughs> you know what funny. I mean? Like, because the pitches were slightly different. So different keys, at least from what I've read. I don't know because I yeah. wasn't there. But yeah. Anyway. Well, my, Random side. My Behringer Model D has an A440 yeah. switch so that you can tune everything to. Well, A440. I mean, there's there's certain like a lot of when you have these things some instruments just do not play equal temperament you know what i mean like so the what? music so there's like the uh, the bells you know like oh, what are they called is it gamlan you know like the yeah, yeah. They're, they're not tuned you know what i mean but the music's built around the tune the, the tones that the bells make right. rather than tuning yeah, yeah, the bells yeah. to equal temperament or something and sometimes that is cool like you hear it a lot in like particularly war films set in like the middle east you get a lot of like ood mm -hmm. and like those yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know those kind of things but yeah i love that stuff I want to get a sand tour one day. It's like a hammer dulcimer, but yeah, that, different. That's like that's text. Uh, like to coin a phrase, it's like textural placement. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's you're using a text. Like when you play ethnic stuff, you're not doing it to be authentic. You're doing it to this is where we are. You know, oh. and like a lot of the time, you get the uh, 
you get the very stereotypical what you might think is like the culturally appropriate. You know, like, it's more like a Middle Eastern movie yeah, like, when someone's like going to war yeah. and then yeah. you'll have that little like, uh oh, we're in a dangerous it's, place. Yeah, yeah, it's like, exactly. that's, stuff, that's more like the and stuff it, I'm talking about. The, the best way to think about that is is that that stereotype is like a word we've created to define that. You know, like yeah. that means that. You know, so we're not doing it to to mess with it. We're doing it because over time. Western audiences understand that that sound means you're there, right. so we're going to use it. So it's never it, you never think about I'm going to take this or that. I think it's Lawrence like, of Arabia. Actually, well, it's it's more like what do people understand, like... and what's the quickest and easiest way for me to make them know right. what's going on? Yeah. I like it when people kind of take the challenge to break some of that down and move it in a more right, interesting right. direction. Because like eventually, like the grammar evolves. Yeah, you, so it's cool when people like chart out and that, that's my that was my exact yeah. point. You you can do it. You can you can make any sound literally, <laughs> quite literally. Like I do it. You can make any sound you want so long as you contextualize it with something that people will understand at the same time that means the same thing so if you make kind of light the path yeah like if you make a crazy weird sound and then introduce it yeah crazy weird sound like you can even do it with images it doesn't have to be other i mean if you're just playing music if you want this sound to mean sad you play it with something sad and it has a eisenstein yeah Yeah, but if you play it against a sad image and you play this weird sound you'll associate it with that you know like mm. obviously you don't just go you know like make it make sense have it, have it correlate maybe like something to do with crying or water or tears you know something that you could uh, emotionally relate to emotion and then record that or especially. giant ants oh have or, you seen phase i have four? seen phase Whoa. four sorry i was that, that, very, that was a segue that caught me I off guard rem- <laughs> as soon as i because i was reading this upside down and i was like this looks familiar what is that and then i read it phase four I was talking about Phase 4 at a party at Glitch City two days ago. I was explaining this movie. It's, it's really, really psychedelic. Ants. It's amazing. They shot with miniatures or, or like magnif- magnifying lenses of actual ants a lot of this movie. And they made them like giant it's ants. A- but it had... So the movie goes through phases, but Phase 4 was like lost or like not broadcast originally. And then I saw it at CineFamily before CineFamily was all about sexual harassment or whatever apparently and died uh yeah real weird whatever cinefamily's a whole thing but like they showed phase four and it was nuts because they were like so we watched the regular movie which had the regular whatever ending and then they're like and here's the the phase four and it just goes like full-on psychedelic freak out like the characters are ant-sized in this crazy world that's like if mandy was a movie about ants right yes exactly <laughs> it's, it's like got mandy a soundtrack to match and yeah i didn't know oh man but like it was crazy. The the Cine family thing, they were like they had people there like talking about it. And then after a while he was like talking about phase four. They had it on a separate reel, you know. And then uh they were just like sitting there for a second and he was just like Fuck it. Let's watch it again. <laughs> play, play the <laughs> How could you resist? Party. It's like ten minutes long and it was just insanity. But yeah, this is incredible. Oh, I'm glad you recognized it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Phase Four, dude. That was a sweet. Just watch, watch fight. a commercial on the on YouTube yeah, of four the is movie. Amazing. The trailer will give you the feeling you need. I loved yeah, this. Yeah. I went and saw it and I loved it. The trailer's also, a movie itself. There was also a movie that they showed. They're called On On Silver Globe, which is made by ah oh, I can't remember his name. I think he was Polish or something, but he like escaped the Bolsheviks or whatever, like he got out of the, he was like the f- official filmmaker for like Warsaw at one point or something. But then like they outlawed him and started like b- destroying all his films. And so they were making this movie called on silver globe, which was like this insane sci-fi movie, crazy, weird stuff, super visual, kind of like phase four. Um, and he thought it was destroyed, but then they were all fleeing the country and like parts of his crew, like 
hid reels of the oh, film wow. in like uh. refrigerators and stuff and they like snuck the movie out of the country and then like years later they finally got it to him and so he what they did was he made uh he made a movie where he showed the parts that they had and then explained the parts that they never got to do while just showing footage of at at that point modern day warsaw and like it has this really crazy effect that you're watching this like crazy psychedelic sci-fi and then modern day well it's like 90s or 80s warsaw with him just explaining what would have then happened <laughs> it's it was a really interesting experience it, but it reminded me of phase 4 cuz it had the like missing fourth reel or whatever it was super cool it's got a cool history to it i yeah. want to see it now on silver globe i don't know how you would find it but what's this one oh okay so we're almost done. This is Giovanni Tommaso, and basically he did uh, worked on a documentary that played on Italian public television about Tokyo. So it's an Italian, uh, almost like a spaghetti western composer, took a trip to Japan, composed a lot of music about what he thought Tokyo felt like, and it comes <laughs> out through that interesting warped filter. That's very so it's like cool. an Italian '60s kind of groovy Tokyo vibe. <laughs> and I've never it's heard different. that combo of sounds before. Cool. Yeah, you won't hear anything like it. And it also has a little bit of early 80s PBS feel to it. Oh, okay. So if you can imagine that whole wild swirl, like what your parents thought NPR sounded like, yeah. but mixed with Italy and Japan. What's it called? Uh, Vivra a Tokyo Cita del Paradiso. City of Paradise. Which I, yeah, exactly. Tokyo City of Paradise. Um, Very funny. Highly recommend tracking that down. If there's one other person who's a giant nerd like me out there listening, <laughs> you will love it. Uh, Bruno, Bruno Nikolai looks a little scandalous yeah. there. Um, the medical student. I'm sure everything was <laughs> proper in this movie and above the board. I don't think the doctors did anything no. that crossed the line. Um, but there is a, a very <laughs> evocative leg it, on yeah. the cover. Yeah, a little um, Bruno Nicolai is another Italian composer. Lots of fun little synthy, twirly, experimental noises where oh, it almost okay. sounds like a Looney Tunes cartoon, but edgy. An edgy <laughs> it, Looney Tunes cartoon. Edgy Looney Tunes. To uh, erotic medical movies. So, so is it actually pervy doctors? <laughs> it, I think it, it is. I, I haven't it's bothered to see the it. movie, but the score Just as a brief paints a picture Sorry. in your mind. Yeah. This is another uh, Bruno Nicolai, The Insatiable Unsta Woman. Oh, Insatiable. Yeah, this is probably Bruno Nicolai's best Some score. Insatiability. If you've listened to Spaghetti Western stuff, you know how they have those choral Ooh. voices of women oh. who aren't singing words exactly, but they're kind of just like very high-pitched texture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Radiohead started moving in that direction with Kid A, but there's an entire lineage of Italian film that uses that sort of choral like, uh, sound. A lot of anime does that too, like an Eastern style. Yeah, like sure. Akira does that, Ghost in the Shell. Akira's a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Akira's really nice. cool. This Akira. I know I've probably said this a billion times, but another amazing Italian composer, <laughs> Alessandro Alessandroni. He did a lot of the library music for documentary specials in Italian. Um, so he has one on technology. He has one on what underwater life. He has one uh, about campfires. Uh, <laughs> this one is called Ideologia. Looks like a fish. Um, Looks like a weird-ass fish. If you like Life Aquatic soundtrack that we talked about earlier, you can trace its roots <laughs> back to this. Really? 100%. I mean, they, do, they were aping on those, like, early documentary yeah wow. 100 percent. so if you love the vibe life aquatic gives off you will also love alessandro alessandroni wow that's a creative name 2016 it is 
I have no idea if I'm pronouncing any of this Italian stuff oh, I'm correctly. Sure it. I apologize. You probably know this. Jerry uh, Goldsmith, yep. Yep. Logan's Run. Oh, yeah. Really cool, futuristic movie with Michael York. Actually, the only thing that's worth watching in the movie is the first 10 minutes, but it's a really <laughs> solid first yeah. 10 minutes. Um, they have this ritual in Logan's Run where if you reach a certain age, you have to get sacrificed. I think it's like by the time you're 30, they have a lottery, a little Hunger Games ish. But Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, one of those early, I think it's late. He, d- he doesn't get mentioned enough. Like Jerry Goldsmith, like the language of Jerry Goldsmith scores is still prevalent oh, yeah. in, in music today. It's just the way he, like he, he, he used to write like music almost like every day. You know what I mean? He would just go into the studio with his people and be like, right, we got to write just some, <laughs> we got to write some scores. But he comes from like the old TV show days, you know, like the old ones where they would have an in-house composer, an in-house band, you know, and he was one of those guys. So he, he would write. A lot, you know, and but he worked out this kind of style that just like, you know, like how everybody has their their thing, yeah. you know, but his language, like he had his own way of doing melodies and things that you still like hear, particularly in space stuff. You still mm. hear a lot kind of 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's a very abstract, uh, yeah. not as melodic as I would think from someone from this era. And yeah. I like it when people start yeah. branching out. And, That's cool. Yeah. Uh, very influential. And then the last one is Forbidden Planet. Oh, this yeah. is an early sci-fi movie. Yeah. And it's got lots the same thing. Yeah, lots of theremin. Um, <laughs> um, I think that's it. I can't believe I get to show off my entire I love it. record collection. I, love I was it. hoping I get to talk about one. No. Gosh, I appreciate you, you indulging me. The whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm into it. I love the art on records. I love, yeah, I don't know. Everything about it is cool. I don't have a record player, but I should get one. <laughs> it shows the process. It goes from that to that to that. Yeah, the whole cycle. The whole cycle. Brain to paper. And then to, to like angry comments. <laughs> yeah. Then then to YouTube comments. <laughs> the ultimate death of all. This art. is piss. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Full stop. That's why you guys work so hard for though. Yeah. 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 The pat on the, the pat on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that'll wrap it up for what <laughs> was probably a super long episode. I don't know. Was I was time, time flew. I, yeah, I, we could have been in here for an hour or three hours, and yeah, I wouldn't man. really know. What is the time? Um, I have no idea. I'm glad I ate before we started. <laughs> Whoa! <of> <laughs> <laughs> we burned the house down. We've been here for a while. Okay. Uh, thank you so much to my guests. How can everyone reach you? Uh, uh, find your stuff. Best Tell best them. place to find me is on Twitter at h two Daniel. So that's h then the number two and then Daniel. H2 Daniel. H for Americans is H. Oh, yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or, H. or danieljames.la. That's the website. Oh, dot .la on the website. That's okay. a website. That's an internet thing. That's an internet thing. You can uh, put www. You can be a rebel. You can be da- live dangerously. You know, just just go straight for it. Get on know? the world wide What about the web? HTTP? Oh, oh, don't, push don't, HTTP. don't get carried don't away. <laughs> Never type that. You'll don't go wind full up coder. on some Italian softcore <laughs> if, you, if you type HTTP. What about you? How do people find you? Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at SneakdoorBeta. But I really would like to say your viewership are sweethearts. Oh, they're all I was lovely. joking yeah, earlier, no, but you have the nicest comments of anyone on the internet. They're it's beautiful. amazing. Yeah, yeah. We're small enough still that we haven't gone <laughs> it's coming. Waters. It's coming. Uh, hope so. I that guess. Damn. Just way. waiting a break. <laughs> yeah. This is piss. We're not in international this waters yet. We're still in our safe harbor. One more shout out to Huber. That Huber, guy's amazing. Yes. I'll give you one. Of them. We miss Huber. He should be back next month theoretically, yeah. um, but he can take as long as he wants. Yeah. It's been a tumultuous few months here at Easy Allies. What with deaths and births, yep. uh, but uh, we're we're life. we're still going. So everything's fine. Yeah. Amen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys very much. Thank, thank all so. of you. 
if, yeah, if you want to get involved in the uh, discussion, again, that's patreon.com slash easy allies. Uh, the film club is the $7 tier. Uh, so it's less than a ticket to a movie. But, you know, 7 bucks is a lot. So if you want to just keep watching and hanging out, that's great too. Uh, but, yeah, we are every month here at Reaction Shots. Easy Allies has lots of other cool stuff, video games mostly. Check it out. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.